to be an agenda in front of everybody, and uh, it's a rather lengthy one, so uh, if there's any deletions, they will be welcomed. And if there's any additions, they will not be welcomed, but <laughs> they will probably be accepted. Your Worship, um, under deletions, the Physician Recruitment and Retention Committee, uh, we're going to table that to April 27th because we're waiting for one more response back, so we can take that off of this week's agenda. Okay. Sorry, under unfinished business, it's uh, 7.2. Okay. Very good. Any other deletions? Any other amendments? Or any amendments? Hearing none, I'll entertain a motion to accept the agenda as amended. Councillor Benke? All in favor of Councillor Benke's motion? Uh, that takes us to the minutes of March the 23rd, 2015, regular meeting of council. Uh, any uh, corrections need to be made to those minutes? Uh, Deputy Mayor Manzer. Um, motion 1503-212. Um, it has, Town of Peace River has recently revered their position. It should be reversed, I think, their position. Typographical error. Yeah. Any other? Uh, yep. Yeah. Yes, Your Worship. Also, also on uh, uh, motion fifteen zero three two one two, and I'd also have to uh, reflect on the next meeting, special meeting of council, motion fifteen zero three two three seven, in regards to the letter and in regards to the meeting uh, are, between are you, the. Are you on? The minutes of the 23rd, or you're on the minutes of the 25th? On both, Your Worship. Oh, okay. um, just because they, they tie into each other in regards to uh, the letter to County of Northern Lights. Then in the other set of minutes, or the special meeting of council, we also discussed in regards to our committee meeting with their committee in regards to fire services. And we had some discussion on the letter, but no motion in regards to not writing a letter, just looking for clarification on the letter itself. You're going to have to clarify that for us. So what, what, what change are you suggesting needs to be there? Just in regards to clarification, I do believe that the letter was, if I'm understanding correctly, was not going to be written. But there was no motion to that effect coming out of the special meeting of council. Uh, we, yeah, because there was no decision made on it. Okay. I put a motion on the floor, Your Worship, to accept uh, uh, the minutes of March 23rd as uh, corrected by Deputy Mayor Manzer. Councillor Sacha. Excuse me, in the committee reports, section of council reports, uh, meeting March 10th, um, all council members attended off-site levy open house. I was not present at that meeting. Nor was I. Okay. And, and one more. Oh, sorry. Why well, just on motion fifteen three two one seven? There's just typo error in that as well. And what is that typo error? Okay. 
And that motion was what, Council Member? Uh, 153217. Oh. And oh. the typo is? Mm. Yeah, corrections. Are still in the yeah. merits. Okay. And just a typo as well in 15 It's just. Um, in my last name, there's an N missing. Not that it's a major typo, but <laughs> Sorry, no. that's quite all right. Okay. Councillor Needham, do you want to make your motion again? I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm scared to. Uh, <laughs> I would put a motion on the floor, Your Worship, to accept the minutes of March 23rd with corrections made by Deputy Mayor Manzer, Sawchuck, Banky, and Burr. Okay. All in favor of Councillor Needham's motion. That takes us to the minute, minutes of the March 25th special meeting of Council. Uh, those minutes, do, are there need, do we need to make any uh, corrections there? I'll make a motion to accept those minutes as presented. All in favor of Councillor Burr's motion? Adopted. That will uh, take us to the public hearings section. <clears throat> and how many uh, do we have public hearings, uh, uh, Ms. Alexoff? We have two. And the first one in the docket is? Uh, bylaw 1957. It's amendment to the Westview Area Structure Plan. Is that bylaw 57 or 56? Uh, 56, I apologize, 1956. Okay. And uh, this, I take it, this is a, so this is an amendment to the Westview Area Structure Plan, and it's a statutory here, uh, public hearing? That is correct. Okay, so I am declaring the statutory public hearing open, and that this hearing is going to be held pursuant to sections 7, 8, 230, 606, and 692 of the Municipal Government Act uh, as amended. Um, Ms. Alexoff, could you confirm what the purpose of this public hearing is? The purpose of this public hearing is um, amendment to the Westview Area Structure Plan in order to enable North, North Peace Housing Development Plan. And uh, the, was a public hearing notice advertised in the local newspaper and on what dates? Uh, the uh, public hearing was advertised at the uh, Record Gazette and it was advertised on March 25th. 18th and 25th. 18th and 25th. Uh, were there any written submissions received but not included in the public hearing agenda package? And not to my knowledge, uh, but the municipal planner may have a different answer. Ms. Modi? All submissions are in the public hearing package. Um, so, uh, all persons giving oral presentations uh, at this public hearing are to clearly state their name, and that those, and if you could keep those presentations brief and to the point, it'd be very much appreciated. Uh, so, the order for the statutory public hearing presentation will be the development officer, uh, in this case, Ms. Modi. Uh, those in favor of the bylaw. Then those opposed to the bylaw, and then any person deemed to be affected who wishes to be heard. 
So I'm, uh, and then after that, I will allow questions from members of the council after after each presentation, actually. And I will uh, also allow a concluding statement from those who have made presentations. And after the presentations are made, I will declare the public hearing closed. So, uh, Ms. Modi, I will uh, let you uh, add in the leadoff position. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. So before us today, we have to consider Bylaw 1956, which is an amendment to the Westview Area Structure Plan that comprises three lots up in the west area of town next to the hospital. So the Westview Area Structure Plan would be amended by North Peace, Housing west, North Peace Housing's Westview Area Development Plan. And the intent would be to attach this document as a schedule or appendix to the Westview Area Structure Plan so that any time we were looking at a subdivision or development a permit application, we would take a look at that part of the plan to see if it was consistent with it and would regulate going forward on with that. So this plan proposes to develop approximately 10 acres of buildable land with addition to a road right-of-way and municipal reserve. It contemplates the development of Rotary House, a medical clinic, a senior's lodge, 12 duplex dwelling units, and three single detached lots. So the proposal uh, continues the mix of residential and healthcare services that we currently have up in that area of town. And based on the plan, we can anticipate a residential population of between 240 and 275 persons. The plan also includes sidewalks, which are in excess of, and I think for the residential population that it is there, it's a very good thing that it's in excess uh, of the municipal standards. So for some parts of the neighborhood, there are sidewalks on both sides of the street, whereas right now the town minimums are one side of the street in residential areas. Uh, it also includes municipal reserve lands that provide a trail connection to municipal reserve that the town has to the south. Right now, there is one apartment building within this area, Garden Court, which was developed by North Peace Housing. And um, it is the first phase of the Westview Area Development Plan, which we have before us today. In terms of the physical context of this proposal, the land is about 12 acres in total, and it's largely cleared and somewhat flat, although there's still a lot of site grading that needs to be done before development happens. Oh, and just for everybody's note, I do have the um, public hearing package up on my computer right now. So it should be on the screen there, and it should also be on your screens if you are flipped over to my computer. In terms of the adjacent lands, right now to the north, um, we have C2 lands, or highway development, and they are adjacent to Highway 2, so the town anticipates that those will become highway commercial in the future. To the east, we have the Community Health Centre, on lands that are currently zoned community. And there is also some municipal reserve land to the southeast. To the west, we have lands that are currently zoned R3 and R1A, and there is one apartment building that is currently under construction. And to the south, we have municipal lands, or municipal reserve lands, which are generally forested and uh, somewhat of a ravine. In terms of the municipal development, or our policy and regulatory context, we have a municipal development plan that's generally consistent with this proposal. Uh, some of the policies that are 
that speak to this plan include um, encouraging development in, in uh, areas that are contiguous to current development or that represent infill. So this is contiguous to the health center development, and there's now that we have development on the other side is actually, you could consider it somewhat infill. Um, the town or the MDP also talks about facilitating new neighborhoods that have a diversity of types of residential development, and this plan does contemplate everything from single detached dwellings to apartments, and also different tenures from rental to ownership. Uh, our future land use map shows that this area to be residential. In our current residential zones within the land use bylaw, public uses uh, such as the community health center are contemplated. So even within a residential area based on the town's planning documents, that's not inconsistent. Uh, the town also encourages development of walkable neighborhoods. And right now, as I said before, the development includes a sidewalk system and also a trail network that meets or exceeds those our standards. Uh, it also talks about trying to encourage affordable housing and housing for residents with special needs, and I think this speaks directly to North Peace Housing's mandate. So moving on to the land use bylaw, right now the area is zoned R1A and R3, which doesn't exactly line up, especially because the property lines would be changing if we go forward. Uh, so the zoning won't line up with what is there today. Also, there was a road closure which was went through council last year, and that area doesn't have a current zoning applied to it. In terms of the area structure plan that we are amending, the current area structure plan was adopted in 1997, and the lands that we are looking at today in that plan were expected to also be residential, but mostly in the form of townhouse or duplex development. So the plan there, if you take a look at the number of lots, had 31 residential lots. So it, the plan doesn't get into specifics about the mix of townhouse versus duplex. So it's hard to say exactly what that population total would have been expected to be. But if we say all of the lots were developed as duplexes, we would have expected 62 dwelling units, which would have upwards of 124 persons in it. So this is a, a jump in terms of the expected population. That plan also shows uh, part of the subject lands as a ravine park. <coughs> and the town currently has some of that land that is shown as ravine park as municipal reserve, but there is a portion of the plan that is currently before us that would not be ravine park. Other notes, um, it's my understanding North Peace Housing has owned the land since 2011, which is when these lots were uh, subdivided off the balance of the parcel. And right now there is actually a deferred reserve caveat on the title for lot four. And that caveat set is for 0.6 acres. Right now the plan includes only 0.22 acres. So that's uh, an area of concern that has come up, particularly to the parks department or community services rather, um, in terms of the amount of park space that the plan currently mm -hmm. contemplates. I, we have circulated the area structure plan to engineering, community services, and the fire department. The fire department and engineering did not have any concerns, and as I just mentioned, community services does have a concern with regards to the amount of green space provided. So overall, this plan does um, is consistent with the municipal development plan on a variety of uh, 
levels. However, there are some items of concern with regards to it. Specifically, right now, this development is largely isolated from uh, existing residential developments in town and the services that go along with them, including uh, park space, other recreational services. And while it is next to commercial areas, those commercial areas are not developed. So it does take a bit for anybody who lives in this area to get to a commercial area of town. In particular, the pedestrian network within that whole lot or that whole quarter section and further along to the east is not well built out. So the area is somewhat isolated uh, from a pedestrian perspective. You know, the plan in question obviously does help to build up that network, but there's still missing links to the rest of town, which should be on the town's mind. Um, and then also, we do have MR to the south, but it's, it is very ravine and hilly, and so it's not, the community services department has gone out to see if they could make that work as park space, but they aren't convinced that it would work. So they would hope that we could amend the, um, the plan or as we go forward through the subdivision phase, work with North Beast Housing to identify some lands for a community park space within the area. So overall, uh, administration feels comfortable recommending that council can pass second and third reading tonight of bylaw 1956 to demonstrate your support for the concept. However, we would also recommend that you direct administration and the North Peace Housing Foundation to work together to identify some community park space prior to subdivision so that we have a park that can meet the needs of the residents of that neighborhood and we can address community services concerns. But then at the same time, we're also allowing to ourselves to move on to the next phase of development. So that's everything I have. Uh, there are a number of attachments that go along with the report. So we've got North Peace Housing's request letter, which I believe was attached to the initial uh, application. Westview Area Development Plan is obviously there. There's also an engineering overall plan from WSP and a context map if anybody's having concerns about where in town it is, which I hope works. Uh, we did receive feedback from the County of Northern Lights and CN Rail, which is at the end of the, the package here. So I'll just pull those two up so we make sure. So uh, North Peace, or sorry, the County of Northern Lights had no concerns. However, they did ask us to identify the location of the Friendship Trail uh, we did double check that, Tanya and I did this morning, and it looks like the Friendship Trail, while it does go through this quarter section, it does not go through the, this particular area. It's just to the south of it through the MR. So in terms of this actual amendment, we don't think that it, it has any bearing. Um, and then also we did talk to engineering and North, or, uh, the County of Northern Lights wanted to make sure that we were satisfied with the stormwater, but there is a stormwater pond uh, to the east, the southeast behind the hospital, and it's anticipated that that's where the stormwater management for this area will go. And we will obviously be working with, um, with the engineers as we proceed through the developer's agreement stage when we finalize servicing as well. And then we also received feedback from CN, um, and they didn't have any particular issues with this area structure plan, but did attach some policies that they would be keen to have the town consider within uh, within our planning policies in general. 
so I'd be happy to address any questions that council has at this time. Your Worship, I have a couple of questions. One is, the did community services identify how much park space they needed and whether that would be met within part of the existing uh, development as is proposed? Sure. Well, right now we have, the caveat allows for 0.6, so that's the maximum that the town could take, 0.6 acres. We already have within the plan the trail network, which accounts for approximately 0.22 acres. So we've got about, well, we've got 3.38 acres of play, basically, that we would be looking to see where. Uh, we haven't had the time yet to figure out exactly where we would want that, which is why we want to work with North Peace Housing going forward before subdivision is registered, which when the subdivision plan goes before uh, MMSA, the subdivision authority, it will come to you as well for your review. Um, it, isn't that kind of small area to be worthwhile as a park? It becomes one of those, in my mind, redundant areas that just ends up collecting trash in the future if it's that small? Mm -hmm. Honestly, I'm not sure. And it's something that I would want to talk to community services about. But because this area is relatively isolated, I think it's at least worth exploring to make sure we do have, especially with that seniors population there, want to make sure that they have some space that they can access to get out and have green space. Okay. And then in its sand, like on the plan, it doesn't show where the where their right away is relative to subdivision is it is any portion of this area structure plan within the 300 meters that they're concerned about I'm actually not sure okay I think it would be touching but they didn't seem to have any concerns with that which seemed a little inconsistent to me but the 300 meters sorry the 300 meters is for their branch um, or for their rail yards, based on what I read from the policies that they sent. I guess I'd like to know where that is, whether that's really an issue or not. Just, Your Worship, just to clarify, the recommendation from administration then is provide second and third reading to 1956 and then work with North Peace Housing and uh, recreation people to find a shortfall of well, point, point 0.3 of an acre, I guess, or, th or thereabouts. Is that that's where they So uh, I'm looking at Richard and with his expertise, is, is this a doable request? Well, there's uh, a couple of options. Uh, uh, there is an option to uh, give uh, cash in lieu, but I, I believe that uh, community services isn't in favor of that. They would like to see uh, a land uh, base for a, a green space within that area. Um, we could probably look at trading some land with uh, one of the developers um, on the site that uh, is interested in purchasing some of the land. Um, so if that would be an acceptable uh, alternative, then that's possible. If not, then uh, we may have to... Um, the plan was to sell uh, two of those residential lots that actually uh, bylaw 1957 speaks to uh, for the new medical clinic. <clears throat> and potentially we could use one of those lots as a green space uh, instead of selling it. And that would 
somewhat restrict the size of the development of the medical clinic, or they may have to come up with um, and other alternatives to accommodate uh, what they need on the site. Um, but those are some of the options that are just off the top of my head what we could potentially look at. If a land swap is, is, an, is an acceptable alternative, we could probably arrange that. Mr. Mayor, so in terms of the clinic, they, they have a building and they have a parking lot that's needed. So you're thinking that the parking lot kind of idea or someplace else? Well, uh, they don't – well, the proponents uh, to build the size of facility that's being – suggested for the medical clinic they don't believe it would fit on the one acre parcel that was donated by Frank Lovson uh, so they were looking at uh, uh, the, having the developer purchase the two adjacent lots so those are the two lots that uh, 1957 is speaking to and um, if we only sold one of them we could make the other one green space and that would be nice because it would create a, a buffer area between the residential and the commercial development. So um, um, I can't really divulge who the developer is, uh, um, but uh, I've spoken with them this afternoon. That may be an alternative. So, um, so uh, that that could be explored or a land swap. And one last, uh, is 0.38 acres, how, how does it compare to the size of one of those lots? Like, is it a lot? Is that 0.38? The one lot is 0.39 and the other one is 0.3, no, it's 0.36 and 0.33 is the two sizes of lots. those in favor of the bylaw, uh, this is your opportunity to speak, so I'm assuming you're in favor of the bylaw, Mr. Wileser. Yes, so my name is Richard Wileser, I'm the Executive Director of North Peace Housing Foundation, and I would like to speak in support of bylaw 1956. Uh, for the amendment to the Westview Area Structure Plan, uh, this parcel of land is owned by um, North Peace Housing Foundation. It's our intention to uh, construct uh, several different housing options for senior citizens uh, for an area of town adjacent to uh, medical facilities and uh, incorporate hopefully the new medical clinic into that uh, area. We believe it'll uh, reduce a lot of uh, barriers for senior citizens uh, in seeking out medical uh, care, both from physicians and for uh, medical appointments for lab work and whatnot. Um, and the, the idea is to create a seniors housing campus uh, all within uh, close proximity to uh, healthcare uh, uh, sup uh, support services and, uh, and physicians. Um, we want to uh, have this uh, area structure plan amended so that the proponents that are uh, seeking to develop on our uh, lands um, will have uh, zoning that is consistent with what they're what they're uh, planning to develop, uh, as well as uh, our own development, which is a 
120-unit uh, senior supportive living facility that we want to construct uh, here in uh, Peace River. So uh, there's uh, several different developments uh, that will come in stages, uh, but we need uh, to move forward with that so that we can uh, install the infrastructure and get the road work, uh, road uh, network uh, completed this year. And it is our hope to uh, start with uh, the Rotary House and our and our administration office. It's a combined facility that we've designed. Uh, we hope to start by September 1st. So uh, moving back in time to get everything done, we would like to uh, move forward with uh, with those plans, and this would be the first step in, in uh, doing that. Okay. Questions of Mr. Alicia? Alicia? So obviously as part of the, the senior standard, there will be some green space around that, or, or is it like? Well, there's going to be parking, of course, and uh, um, there is green space around the existing uh, buildings, but that can't be included in the municipal reserve. That would be, it would need to be uh, apportioned as uh, its own space. It can't be part of just North Peace Housing space. It has to be designated as the town of Peace River space and it has to be allowed for all public access so we couldn't use I guess we could carve out a piece of our lots and and uh, and provide it uh, as municipal reserve and that was actually suggested here just an hour ago to me we could actually take some of the um, those some of the land off of the ravine lots uh, to the back side of the ravine and create a uh, continue our trail network uh, through there, um, that would provide for that. I guess my point is, I mean, it seems like community services is worried about not having green space for, I don't know, people to sit sit on the lawn or kind of thing. But I guess my I'm thinking that the space around the existing facility could provide that. And as I know it wouldn't be town property, but it would provide that <laughs> land that would be suitable for that need, to meet that need. Yeah, and there's uh, there's already uh, around the apartment building we purposely put sidewalks completely around um, with uh, park bench areas for uh, the seniors to sit and and, uh, and they can uh, get exercise um, and uh, we also for transportation have our uh, seniors uh, handy van uh, we have volunteer drivers that regularly go to the apartment to provide transportation to appointments and uh, and buying groceries and whatnot. And when the new seniors uh, support a living facility is built there, all we, our handy van will be stationed there. So um, that's going to increase the access to that vehicle and will improve the uh, transportation to, of our seniors to those uh, areas of town that they need to get to. Okay. Mr. Ford? In regards to the presentation from the minister and uh, Dr. Karen Lungard that we attended together, um, in regards to the clinic either being south of where you're speaking right now or south of the uh, dispatch centre, would that have any play or any role on your green space area, or how does that affect? Um, I would say that the, uh, depending on the size of the facility, if if the requirements for space would allow us to... to uh, take one of those lots that would fulfill the requirement of the green space and it would actually be uh, quite uh, um, quite
quite uh, conducive to the whole development and, and would create that buffer zone between the residential lots and the commercial development. So we could create a pretty nice little park in a, it's not that small if you, 0.4 of an acre is it's fairly substantial um, of an area where you can create uh, a place to hang out and it's going to be actually in a good spot um, where there is views of the river valley. So. You know, if it's possible, that's would be my first uh, option. If it's not, I don't want to squeeze the uh, medical clinic out of space uh, so that they can't fulfill their parking requirements and all that. So um, that's, I think, a priority for everyone in the town of Peace River. We certainly would like them to be in, in that area of town because of the things I mentioned before about um, removing these transportation barriers that our seniors have to getting to doctors and, and health care uh, providers so but well I, we we believe that uh, it will be built on our side um, on that lot uh, that was donated by mr. Lovson so um, that is yet to be uh, completely firmed up but um, it's that's the way we're planning we believe it's going to be there so so how critical is this change to the bylaw to uh, to get the uh, senior housing? Did you mention 105 apartment unit or, or uh, 120 unit lodge seniors support right. living facility? And then how critical would is this change of the bylaw to uh, facilitate the medical the the family care care clinic to uh, to uh, well, we want to get the road network uh, uh, placed, so we wanted to start that this summer, and we also want to start on our administration office and the Rotary House. The Rotary Club is prepared to move forward with uh, with the Rotary House, and they they would like to get started um, before September first as well, um, and uh, to demonstrate to the to the donors that uh, they are moving forward with it, and uh, it is going to be a a, uh, it's going to come to fruition, and uh, and uh, we want to work together with them and get that done this year. And um, you know, we want to uh, be able to subdivide the property off so that we can um, position these buildings and these developments where they are to go. Uh, the roads and the buildings can get built at the same time, uh, but you just need to know as far as uh, location on a subdivision. Uh, where where they will be situated and that will also allow us to sell the residential lots so that money will be uh, will help offset the cost of our infrastructure but as far as the seniors uh, support living facility it's it's somewhere down the road uh, two to three years from now so um, that would be a, the la final stage of the development okay. anything else well, just your worship, I, I listening carefully here, and maybe I'll rephrase the mayor's question. Uh, so, if we provide, I was hoping to provide second and third reading this evening, and now there's this caveat that we work with the recreation department to find this shortfall. So maybe the question is, um, is that caveat going to put a hoop to the development on that parcel of land? Uh, and what I mean a hoop, if parties cannot come to agreement. Uh, and if we did provide second and third readings, what would happen? I'd hate to place at risk um, two projects that are very close to being uh, 
uh, announced and in the future of the park. And uh, I'm, I'm okay with green space and community park space, but I'm, I wonder about how much you should, I mean, 10 months of the year, there won't be anybody in it. Um, is, is this absolutely critical to, to this development? Well, I'm, I'm confident that we can get a, a land swap if that's um, um, an alternative that the community services would, would be acceptable to. Um, if cash in lieu is not uh, the, um, the preferred option um, in working with uh, one of the developers, I'm certain that we can get a land swap to create a green space in a location very nearby. Mr. Uh, Mayor, could we ask funding at a at a premium? We might be interested in a cash <laughs> cash deal. Could I ask that the the map of the area go back up on the screen? And we closed uh, a road space over there and moved it someplace. So did that put any extra land into the equation, or it just moved one from here to there? It was closed one. Um, Can one you get to a different map? Sorry. Sure. Um, We're taking one road and creating two roads. So uh, we're actually doubling the road network that was proposed for. Does this one work for Matt? You can see right between in in the kind of oval shaped area. There's the you can see the road that was there. That's where it was, and now we have two. We have 102nd and 103rd avenues. So when you refer to a land swap, um, I'm I'm just having a hard time wrapping my head around what you mean by that. So we're not taking one of these residential lots, one of these three lots, and creating that into park. It's a different piece of land altogether? Yeah, it could be across the road. So to the west, across the road. Okay, so within within walking distance for these residents, yeah. I guess. Okay. I think maybe just, just to clarify, um, ultimately council will be the one that makes the call anyway. So... This, uh, in answer to Colin, uh, Councillor Needham's concern, this won't stop the project. It simply uh, it was something that came to the table quite late. It allows for an opportunity to discuss if there's a good solution. If there is no solution and it ends up being cash in lieu, ultimately Council makes that call anyway. So it won't, it doesn't stop the development. Good clarification. Okay, any other questions for Mr. Oleser? Okay, thank you, Mr. Oleser. Uh, I will now ask uh, anyone who's opposed to the bylaw to come forward and uh, state their name and uh, state their case. Uh, second call. Third call. Hearing no opposition, um, I will now ask for any person deemed to be affected who wishes to be heard to come forward. Um, second call. Third call. 
not seeing anyone come coming forward, I will uh, um, I will ask again if there are any uh, questions that councillors may have uh, neglected to ask and wish to ask now. I have one question okay. of Alicia. Can you show on one of these plans where the walkways and the trail network is? It seems to be something that I typically miss out on. Okay. Shouldn't have closed this file so soon. So on this drawing here, you can see in a lighter shade of green running behind or west of the Rotary House lot and west of the medical clinic lot. That is the MR that is currently proposed. So it basically is a trail that connects the two lots to the northmost, which have a sidewalk running around them by crossing the street and then you go through that trail, you can get to the MR, which if you are able-bodied, you could be walking down in that ravine area and that might be a nice walk. Now is there, where that MR is going to ravine, is there anything on top of the bank or is it all over the bank? You mean like space to walk over on top of the bank? Well, some place would, the town eventually want to put a trail like that and put it on an area where it's easy to move before trying mm -hmm. to yeah, speaking to community services, um, I think that they indicated they thought there was enough space to have a trail on the top of the bank, but that was about it because the rest gets to be very slopey. Just behind that, just to the south of that back side, are there the bouncing down the road as well? Would that Much further south. Like there's, a, there's a gap that is still this quarter section. I've been in that <coughs> So, um, okay. So, Mr. Walisa, do you want to make a concluding statement? Okay. Uh, Ms. Moni? No, thank you. Okay. I will uh, call this hearing, I will declare this hearing closed. So, we have another hearing, I understand, Mr. Lexoff, for bylaw 1957. And this one is also a statutory public hearing. Uh, public hearing, is that right? Hi, uh, yes, it is. So I will declare the statutory public hearing open for bylaw 1957. Uh, and I will declare it open uh, and that the hearing is to be held pursuant to section 7, 8, 230, 606 and 692 of the Municipal Government Act as amended. Uh, Ms. Alexoff, could you confirm the purpose of the public hearing? Um, the purpose of the uh, public hearing is an amendment to the Land Use Bylaw 1891, which is also in order to enable North Peace Housing's development plan. And was the public hearing advertised in the local newspaper and on what dates? Yes, it was. It was advertised at the Record Gazette for two weeks on March 18th and March 25th, 2015. And 
Uh, were there any written submissions received that are not included in the public hearing agenda package? Not by this administration. And uh, so I will ask that all persons giving oral presentations are to clearly state their name and uh, it'd be appreciated if their presentations were brief and to the point. The order for the statutory public hearing presentations are to be the development officer, in this case, uh, Ms. Modi. Uh, those in favor of the bylaw, those opposed to the bylaw, and then any person deemed to be affected who wishes to be heard. I will then allow questions from members of the council after each presentation. Uh, I will also allow a concluding statement from those who have made a presentation at the end of the uh, at the end of the hearing. And when all those presentations have been made, I will uh, and questions answered, I will declare the public hearing closed. So, Ms. Modi, I will hand it off off to you. Okay. So, Bylaw 1957 is an amendment to the land use bylaw, which is consistent with the proposed amendment to the West Bay Area Structure Plan. Uh, in the interest of time, sorry. So this is an amendment to the land use bylaw, which is consistent with the amendment to the proposed amendment to the Westview Area Structure Plan. Uh, in the interest of time, I will skip over the details that are the same as the last public hearing, as long as that is okay with everybody around the table. Okay. So generally speaking, I'll speak to the proposed land use bylaw amendment in that case. So right now the area is zoned R1A and R3, and then there is the road plan that was closed, or the road that was closed, which does not have a particular zoning to it at the moment. So the proposed amendment rezones part of the R1A lot to community and part of it to R2A, and then part of the R3 lot to R2A, part of it to community, and part of it to R4, which is our highest density residential district. So if you take a look at Schedule A, this shows the uh, proposed rezoning. Now, since first reading has happened, there has been um, so a slight amendment to it. So right now, what Schedule A shows is all of the areas in red. That is a new zoning. If there is text in black showing a district, that is existing zoning that's not proposed to change. And then the community development area that's in bold, which I've got highlighted right now, that is that was advertised as R1A, but since, since the bylaw came forward, there was political movement towards the medical clinic, and so now we've changed that to be community, which would be consistent with the rest of the develop or the lot to the uh, east. So that's the proposed amendment to the land use bylaw. And this would enable, to the best of our abilities, there will still be uh, some requirements for variance with the R4 district if North Peace Housing's highest and best plan uh, is what they'd like to proceed with. There will be requirements for variance. We don't have a district right now that would fully enable uh, that level of density. Uh, but this would also enable the duplex developments and the public uses of the medical clinic and Rotary House. Okay. 
and really that is the, the difference between the two uh, or bylaw amendments. So for this one, or for bylaw 1957, the recommendation from administration is to do with bylaw 1957 what you have done with bylaw 1956 so that the area of structure plan is the bylaw that leads and the land use bylaw is amended to be consistent with it. And I'll take any questions that council has. Questions? Can you just show me where all these different developments are, just so I know in my mind, like where Rotary House is, sure. where the North Peace Housing Development is, where the center is, and the associated parking lots with it? Sure. So this is the lot right here uh, that I'm highlighting at the moment. That is Rotary House lot. Then this lot and this area is the medical clinic. And parking, right? And parking, yes. All of these lots, right, we haven't gotten down to the details of where exactly the parking is for each of these. This is just the land area that each of those developments would be expected to be on. And, but the land that's currently associated with each of the lots is sufficient to meet the structural requirements of the building and any parking requirements associated with that development. We don't necessarily have the details of the area of the lot or of the buildings, which is usually what leads in terms of setting the parking requirement. So we'll have to come to those details then. Okay. But we do expect that these should be large enough. And then this large lot is the residential 2A, which would be the duplex condos. And this lot right here that I'm highlighting is the seniors lodge. Any other questions? Well, the other question, we I tried to hint at it before we got going. Is it an issue for us to change midstream with this? Like we can change uh, amend a bylaw at second reading, right? So that mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be re-advertised? Okay. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I probably should have said on the record, no, that you are okay. Right. <laughs> so again, just paraphrase uh, the recommendation from administration in 1957 would be to provide second and third reading of this as well? Yes. Okay. No caveats on this one? No. Any other questions? Okay, thank you. Oh, do you have a question? Mr. No, I just, just to clarify, the only caveat is if council was not to approve 1956, then the caveat was mm -hmm. to not approve this. Yes. The two are the two are tied. Okay. Uh, thank you, Ms. Modi. Uh, I take it, Mr. Wilieser, you are here to speak in favor of the bylaw once right. again. Uh, my name is Richard Wilieser. I'm the executive director of North Peace Housing Foundation. I'd like to speak in support of this bylaw, 1957. Um, uh, this uh, bylaw is to uh, ask for a zoning uh, adjustment to the zoning in that area to allow the proponents to uh, construct the uh, developments that are planned for it and, uh, and uh, we had asked for these uh, adjustments to expedite the development on that uh, parcel. I don't have a whole much else to say. Maybe there are some councillors that have a whole bunch of questions, though. Any councillors with questions? Well, just 
just to clarify, so down the road, if we were to see a drawing of a medical clinic and there was an associated formula connected to that drawing that determined parking, I'm now looking at the map, so let's call it lot number two for the sake, for the sake of discussion, the one where the word community sits. Could that be considered as the green space? Is that what was being proposed earlier? As a possibility. As a possibility. Okay. And it, but and again, it, and I don't. I and don't again, want I, I don't want to put any caveats on this approval. I uh, these are things that can be discussed at a later date. But this second and third reading will allow this to advance. And if there's new information that comes to the table, then it can be considered. I don't see uh, anyone wanting to ask questions, so thank you, Mr. Wolleser. Thank you. Um, so are there any, is there anyone opposed to the bylaw that wishes to speak? Second call for those opposing the bylaw. Third call for anyone opposing the bylaw. Neither hearing or seeing anyone opposed to the bylaw, I will uh, go on to ask, is there any person that feels that they are affected who wishes to be heard uh, affected by this bylaw. Please come forward. Second call. Third call. Neither hearing nor seeing anyone who feels that they are affected by the bylaw and wishes to be heard. I will uh, allow any last questions from members of council. And uh, I will now ask Mr. Wolleser to, uh, if he wishes to make a concluding statement. Ms. Modi, would you wish to make a concluding statement? No, thank you. And I will uh, declare this public hearing closed. Okay. Is there any desire to have a short break or shall we go straight to presentations? Okay, we will uh, go straight to presentations and we have one presentation from Evergreen Ecological Services, Inc. Yep. Get it loading a PowerPoint. Yep, fair enough. He has a PowerPoint he wants to play. We don't need Okay. Minimize that. Just minimize that there.
Turkey and Council. Thank you very much for having us this evening. Uh, my name is Lorenzo Benini. I'm one of two principals of Evergreen, Evergreen Ecological Services. Uh, this is my division manager, Brian Stout, of uh, our Greater Peace Region operation. Uh, I'd like to speak to you a little bit about the proposed uh, services. We've uh, sort of created a menu of options. I understand there are some questions about them. If it pleases you, I've prepared a PowerPoint presentation just to give some brief oversight to uh, some of our experiences from other communities and just some generalizations that we found in the past. That's I should proceed. Okay. So some basic pros and cons of automated collection. I don't think any of this will shock you too greatly, but it's very neat and tidy. I understand there is some concern with crows and animals getting into the waste here. And carts, certainly because they are much larger and heavier than most sorts of garbage cans, they're usually good at, at keeping animals out. I don't believe it would stop a coyote, but it certainly stops the crows. It is also an interesting or uh, an effective way to introduce a, a limit to waste collection that is not as visible to the public, not necessarily as provocative as a bag limit. Uh, in, in this method, it's particularly valuable in conjunction with organics and or recycling programs. One thing I want to emphasize here is whether a bag limit is implemented or a cart, you are really cranking up the pressure on the resident uh, to handle their, their waste, to minimize their waste. If you don't provide a relief valve, then like any system that you put pressure on, it needs a way to express itself and to release its pressure. That will come in the form of phone calls to you <laughs> if you don't provide for another outlet. And it's something I want to forewarn you of because we've had the misfortune of experience the, experiencing this before in the past. Um, automated collection is more easily staffed. There's a lot less lugging materials, uh, having to be concerned about sharp items, sloppy materials, odors, broken bags. Um, so as well for collection operations, there's some advantage there in turn. Cons, carts are more expensive. Um, the collection unit is a more expensive truck. It has a higher hourly operating cost. That's usually offset by uh, increased productivity. But then against those uh, collection efficiencies of the unit, you have to also stack up the, the physical cost of the cart itself, which is usually somewhere just north of a dollar per unit per month. Uh, other cons, many residents will not be able to accommodate only having the cart, uh, one cart for weekly disposal. Uh, there's families of varying sizes. Larger families are going to struggle. Um, there aren't good options to increase the collection via extra bags or tag a bag because it's the nature of the automated truck that it really is not uh, set up to allow the operator to effectively pick up manual. So the best we can do is dump the cart, clamor out of the truck around to where the cart is, throw an extra bag into the now empty cart, clamor back into the truck, re-extend the arm, grab the bin, dump it a second time, and put it down. Could one family have two carts? That is one option that uh, we've seen some communities adopt is they allow uh, families to take a second cart for a small additional fee. So that is definitely an option. Uh, we strongly recommend that whenever implementing a bag limit or a waste cart, because the waste cart is in itself a form of waste restriction that uh, some form of relief valve is is designed into the program. We find recycling programs to be real crowd pleasers, and it's usually what we recommend. 
So our, our brief conclusions, if cost is the determining factor, you can choose a bag limit and try to offset the problem, uh, the public relations problem with very clear, strong, attractive promotion, making it crystal clear to residents what is and isn't allowed. And there, I have some examples there of other programs and other municipalities that have attempted to do that. Uh, if the goal is to uh, is attractiveness, then and to limit the effects of the crows, certainly an automated cart is the way to go. So conclusion: um, in either case, I would say strongly to at least consider a biweekly recycling collection next to either a bag limit or an or an automated cart in either case. And I wanted to highlight that there will be some disposal savings on a recycling program, probably about 20% of your landfill bill will be saved. So that's something to factor into your cost calculation. And the other thing is, you might say, well, a recycling program, given the cost, why would we spend it for 20%? But if we're talking about creating a relief valve for residents, because now they're under pressure with the amount of waste that's picked up. Recycling might only be 20% by weight, but it's actually close to 50% or more by volume. All your large cardboard boxes, your milk jugs, your Tide bottles, all those things are the recyclable items. So once you take all that out of the waste, the and the cart, remember, is not a limit by weight. It's a limit by volume. What, what the resident is really concerned with is volume limits. What we talk about in the waste industry in terms of costs are off, is often based on weight. But if we're talking about uh, relief valve for residents and making this program something that, that the residents uh, of Peace River are satisfied with, then uh, blue bag programs highly effective. Also, those programs at Christmas or times when family has more recyclables, it instantly adapts. You put out more bags. When there's at times of the year when there's less, you can put out less. And so in that way, it's actually more effective than blue cart programs. Uh, blue cart programs, really you need a massive uh, cart to accommodate times like Christmas or when families move or perhaps back to school. Um, and then the rest of the year, it would only be filled you know, halfway and it's this big thing to lug, lug around. A blue bag program is much more adaptive. Also, the problem with the blue cart is we are very concerned with, with what gets put in the recycling and the blue cart obscures that from the collection operator. So we really can't control what is and isn't going in as recyclables. So we've seen contamination become a problem in blue cart programs. And again, the blue bag, because it is translucent, um, they can see directly into what's happening. And so those programs from right from the get-go tend not to have contamination concerns. Uh, the last thing, of course, I'll uh, you know declare my political allegiance here to recycling. We, we were, uh, our, the foundation of the company has always been recycling. I always end with this uh, quote from Frank, Frank Ackerman, the practice of recycling pushes us in the right direction. There's no greater hope in any other direction in terms of waste management, and in the long run, there's nowhere else to go. So I am a declared strong proponent of recycling. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time, and if you have any questions. Well, we might as well let... Uh, Councillor Rod Burr start off the questions because I think he'll uh, try and challenge you for being uh, the champion of recycling. Excellent. I think he's got me beat if he has a whole company that and a big <laughs> plant that deals with it. So <laughs> I have a couple questions. Uh, how do you actually, like, can you explain your operation? Like, you know, you've said in your proposal you're going to truck at Edmonton, but how do you actually do that? Like, The collection truck comes here from Grand Prairie. It collects the recyclables, it returns to Grand Prairie. 
out of Grand Prairie, it's baled and shipped back to our facility in Edmonton. So that facility in Edmonton receives material from the Calgary region, Red Deer, Lloyd Minister, and the Greater Peace region, all rig. Uh, the plants are extremely expensive, and they require a lot of tonnage to support them, and that's why they're not feasible. I mean, we site trucking shops in many different locations, but when it comes to the MRFs, they're just too expensive to have one here, one there, another somewhere else. Yeah, no, I toured the Edmonton facility. I didn't know you even had one there, but yeah, it's it's not something you'd replicate for the town the size of Peace River, so. Yeah. Do you currently do waste management in Grand Prairie, or do you just everything? Yep, we do the recycling collection and the automated waste collection as well. Okay, right. And organics, like that wasn't part of your proposal. I mean, personally, I think, in, at least in the summertime, that's got to be a big percentage of our municipal waste. I know I've seen estimates to 20, 30% at least. In summer, yes, for sure. Is, do you have any suggestions, or is there something, maybe at some point, how we deal with that, or... Well, the model other communities have adopted is they move to a green cart. And maybe at the point where you're providing both a recycling program and a green cart, then you move the waste to actually a bi-weekly pickup. And that sort of puts the focus of the waste collection operation actually on the recycling and the organics. The two of them are together are vastly more volume than what the remaining waste is. And by weight, they're also more. So... That's usually the model communities take. In that case, we usually do recommend a green cart. It is, again, harder to control contamination. Right. But none of the compost sites can really handle bags effectively, which becomes the problem of trying to bag it. Um, so uh, in a green cart program, then what we've done for other uh, areas is we've had uh, participation from the local landfill. They either develop a compost pad or... They just allow for an area where the trucks can offload the organics. And then when we accumulate a 30-ton load, we bring an open top, and it's loaded there, and then we truck it to a compost facility. So we have done that in, in other areas, such as Lloyd Minister. Um, and that might be how you implement it, but it obviously requires a little more discussion and planning because there's you know some infrastructure there that, that needs to be present. But that's something you, your company would be willing to talk to the town about down the road if we ever... Yep. Certainly. Yeah, and we've done it before. Um, just to clarify, it was in their proposal, it, and it was one of the options presented. We just didn't have a lot of conversation around that okay. in that it was one of the cost-prohibitive options, but the option was in the proposal as a six-month uh, green card pickup. But I guess that gets back in the argument where we're, we're not looking at both sides of the coin when it comes to the, you know, we're looking at minimizing the cost of waste management in terms of the actual pickup, but we're not looking at the ultimate, what ultimately costs the town and the regional landfill to deal with the waste at the, at the you know, when we simply are landfilling it, so. Okay. Thank you, that's all my questions. I, uh, thank you. Uh, I, I was surprised that uh, the contractor, Evergreen, came up with a, a recommendation about the manual option. I, I was under the impression that uh, the trend was certainly to go towards the one-arm bandit and go to the automated system. So specifically, uh, just help me understand uh, your proposal. So I can use my existing 67-liter garbage can, whatever it is. I can continue to use that. Uh, I now can put three additional bags on on the street. Is that... Is it? No, sorry, I should clarify. The intention is that we would only pick up three bags. We can pick it, the existing containers. Is one. Can contain the three bags. Right. 
but within whatever container is used, uh, we will only collect three bags, and all the waste must be bagged. Okay. And, and then on the, the, the blue bag component then, so is this truck, um, are you proposing that this truck pick up both at the same time, or does this got, this is a t two separate runs? The, the, the truck does not have a, a separation unit where uh, it's, it's two separate runs, is what you're proposing then, right? Okay. So we've run the split stream trucks. They're very difficult to collect waste. That's what I was driving at, yeah. yeah. The, strip th the split stream trucks look very good on paper as a model. Uh, speaking personally of having actually operated them, uh, they're very frustrating. And, and so the actual performance of the work usually does not go well. Then the other problem you have is it's very hard to gauge how much the truck should be devoted to waste and how much to recycling, and it can fluctuate from week to week, which means one week your recycling side gets full before you're actually done your recyclables. Now you're all the way off to Grand Prairie to offload it. You know, you can have frustrations like that. Um, so usually the better model is instead to take the conventional single-stream garbage truck, complete your waste laps, on a separate day pick up your blue bag. And so you are still utilizing the same single asset, it's just you're uh, structuring the collection schedule to accommodate efficiency. Okay. So this was the first option, right? On, on Evergreen's proposal, this was the number one? That the, was well, I think it's the $221,337, I think is the yeah. I think is the one which is lines up with sort of within one for $155,000? That was just got garbage, no um, recyclables. But, but, but that number is certainly uh, very competitive compared to what we're paying for uh, the current contractor and getting an extra service. J just one other, uh, in terms of managing uh, uh, questions from uh, from our public. So consumers, of course, now have to buy blue bags. Yes. Correct? Yes. That's <laughs> stating the obvious. So. For the Scottish consumers in the group, if they didn't want to do that, uh, you can cheat, you can do whatever you want to do, or uh, in the case of Peace River, we still maintain a number of facilities that pick up, and I'm sure you've seen them. Mm -hmm. uh, so if a, if a resident did not wish to buy the blue bags, he could simply continue uh, to use our existing facilities. Now, I realize that's Peace Regional Waste Management Company, but is that how you see that playing out? So people... People will either buy the bags or they'll use some of the existing facilities. Is that what's been your experience there? Or, 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 or people just fudge on the system all the way around? No, very strongly the experience is once they're confronted with a bag limit and you heavily promote that, okay, how you accommodate only being only having three bags of waste picked up is you use the blue bag for recycling, people will strongly utilize that program as opposed to having to lug everything in their car down to the depot or whatnot. So the programs tend to be very, very successful, especially when they're next to either a waste cart or a bag limit. <coughs> also, there, there was one mention you made about it was a surprise to you that it was um, a manual option was, was given. And that is a good point. It has been the trend to automate, and certainly in our company, um, it has been the trend to automate. But every potential program, uh, you know, I take the experiences that I've had and I look at how we can construct a program that, you know, provides cost-efficient services, meets the goals of landfill diversion. And in this case, uh, being able to utilize that single truck ask, ask, asset for both the recycling as well as the waste collection was just more cost-effective. So I felt I can't not offer the more cost-effective approach, right? Sorry. 
And where do I buy these blue bags from you, or do I go to local any local or grocery store? And they should be the same price as a black garbage bag. There's, there should be no difference in cost. They're just, they're just blue. So are the clothes less attractive to blue, or what? The material is dry, and it doesn't create a lot of the organic. It doesn't have the organic food waste in it that attracts animals. We have never, even in towns like Drayton Valley or White Court, that also had problems on their waste collection with uh, crows and did go to automated waste for that exact identical reason. And that's White Court and Drayton Valley that both did. That was their primary driver to go automated. Um, that we've never had an issue with, with animals going to the blue bags. See zero issues in Grand Prairie. Zero. Okay, so in Drayton Valley and White Court... So what exactly do they have? They have <coughs> automated pickup, and then every second week they have blue bag pickup? Uh, in the case of White Court, weekly blue bag pickup. In the case of Drain Valley, bi-weekly blue bag pickup. More recyclables in White Court or what? There are more recyclables in White Court, and we see that. The weekly program uh, tends – yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It's actually usually once you provide the weekly program, it's more convenient. Therefore, people use it more. It's not that we said you have more recyclables, so we should pick it up more often. It's by picking up more often, people used it more. And we know that because cities like Lloyd Minister used to have a biweekly program, and we flipped it to weekly, and their participation all went up. All the weights went up in volume. So usually the more – all these programs, usually the more convenient you make them, the happier people are and the more they use them. So speaking of convenience, um, personally I find it convenient to – do the garbage recycling one day a week as opposed to two. Yep. So you're talking two different days, and so two different days we'd have bins out one time and okay, and bags the other time, and we'd be limited to one blue bag? Or no, how many no bags? limit on blue bags. Okay, no. forever. Um, the other question I had had to do with um, is it not possible to – section off an area of town and say, okay, it's your one day this week, and in the morning we're collecting the garbage, and afternoon we're collecting the the recyclables, and it's done? Or is that not, it doesn't work for your company bottom line kind of thing? The logistics of it would be very difficult. We'd mm -hmm. be really asking a very long day out of that operator. Uh, yeah. So and you couldn't I do just put two trucks on? <laughs> Again, it comes down to the bid and being <laughs> trying to be cost-effective. Okay, and the other question that comes up is the um, uh, physical management by an individual of the, the cart bin mm -hmm. type thing. So what has been your experience that way? There are challenges in winter with snow windrows. And now people have to shovel access right out onto the road for the cart. Um, uh, when there's windrows, they have to shovel out a little section of the windrow so they can put the cart on the ground, and those those are challenges in northern Alberta for sure. Brian, you can maybe speak to that more. Yeah, absolutely. And every contract that I've worked with in Grand Prairie being my latest, um, with the amount of snowfall we get, we find that the residents have to shovel more. But we also offer programs for the handicapped and the elderly where we, we call it a walk-up service. In uh, Grand Prairie, Aquaterra, took it to the next level and they, they got the residents to fill out a form to say this is why I can't bring my cart out. Uh, but I'm not too sure about other, other communities, but Aquaterra took it to that next level. And then we implemented We had their, the address recorded, the drivers, when they get that address on collection, they go walk up, grab the cart, dump it. 
and then return the car back to the home. So those those services are offered for the able-bodied people. It's uh, it's shovel the snow, make room. Yeah. So does that cost extra? Not at all. To somebody. Okay. And the other question is, um, this is uh, picking up both from the street and back alleys, or just one or the other. Or how does that? Automated collections very problematic in alleys. Um, you can hit garage eaves, fences. Um, you know, again, about snow load in the winter, alleys typically are not as conducive to plowing or, and other things, so they, they tend to have more difficulties that way. Automated collection really is far better suited to front curb, where you have much more clear height, clear space. Um, the manual collection, though, that can, that can be performed in alleys, as it is now. One last question. Um, our um, town to the west of us here, uh, they're apparently having some difficulty with people not um, taking their empty garbage bins off the street, so they're thinking of implementing some sort of fine system for that. <coughs> Have you had experiences that way with other with towns? Usually it's uh, passed in the bylaw that they have to be set out by a certain time and removed again by a certain time. And then usually it's a few stickers left on doors uh, threatening bylaw fines. And it, it usually doesn't go further than that. People start to comply. And there's a lot of, especially with front curb collection, because you can see right down the street and you can see what everyone else is doing, it tends to generate a lot of compliance that way. Once people, you get a few of them bringing it back in, the rest, no one wants to be the one guy on the street with the bin left out and... Yeah, yeah. you get a couple that, yeah, sure, they put up a bit of a fight, but it hasn't been a major concern. With, within the first few weeks of the program, usually compliance is achieved. So you mentioned Aquaterra. So in the city of Grand Prairie, your contract is with Aquaterra and not with the city of Grand That's correct. That's correct. We service 67 municipalities. And we made which ones in northwestern Alberta? Uh, well, recently we started a blue bag program about a year ago in Donnelly, McLennan, and Flair. They all jointly took the program to generate enough density to get the price down to a good cost-effective level. Um, so they have automated pickup with blue bag every second week? Or they what? actually have manual waste collection, which we don't perform, and oh, okay. blue bag pickup, which we do perform. The town of Sexsmith... Oh, we perform services there. It is automated waste collection and then a blue bag, a weekly blue bag pickup. Um, City of Grand Prairie. And then we threw, um, we acquired Recycle Plus up here. We rebranded it Terra Nova, but through that entity, we we service a much larger area of municipalities. MD of Smoky Lake down to Grand Cache to... We go as far north as Manning and as far south as Fort Assembly or Terra Nova. Maybe I'll get to Rainbow Lake one day. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, um, have you ever had experiences where uh, your uh, employees uh, are on a work stoppage or something like that? Never. Very good. <laughs> so how, how do you handle uh, long weekends? We work. We, we work, work every, all holidays. Every step. I was working Friday and I work Monday. Oh, okay. I was pouring concrete on Friday. It's a true story. Okay. <laughs> Your Worship, if I could jump back in, could we come back to your recommendation? Uh, I have five black garbage bags. I can buy a contractor bag up at Home Hardware that you can put a small car in. Uh -huh. So 
it seems to me when I read through the paper that Trent sent around, I thought I read 67 liters. Oh, I did. I did read that. Okay, I, I'm looking for it and I can't find it. So, so your, so I put out my contractor bag because I don't know what 67 liters looks like. Mm -hmm. Your driver will come along and look at this bag and sticker it and leave it. Sticker it and leave it. And the sticker says what? Please use 67 liter bags, no more than three. And all right, fair enough. Well, all those bags have to be in the garbage can, right? They don't have to be. That would be up to the town to decide. We're certainly well, we, happy to we take have them. a bylaw that says you have to put your garbage in a receptacle. Right. So then, no problem. We would take them out of the receptacles. But we want to insist that there's no loose material put in those receptacles. We do want it bagged. Right. That's from the experience of uh, part of the the difficulties with manual collection come out of loose materials. So I'm not familiar with blue bags. Um, I, I do have some, but do they come in the contractor size as well? Is there any? Um, they do, but typically you see more the standard 67 liter blue. Okay, so that's bag. you don't see that being as a problem. It's more the the black contractor one would be the, the the more likely occasion where that would happen. Yes. Okay. And no and no limit on the blue bags. Uh, no. Well, uh, members in the audience, if they want to ask some questions uh, of the gallery, any questions from the gallery? <laughs> Go ahead. I appreciate your presentation, but I don't like it. Okay. I don't like it because I live on a very busy street with school buses and parents concerning the office of corrections at prime time. Do you have an hour? Yes. So in that case... In specific instances, for good reason, we might then say perhaps this is an area that is better serviced by hour. That's the only way I would sign on with you guys, is if you did it in the hour. Or, or what, what I have done in Grand Prairie is we've changed the routing of the truck so that it doesn't go with prime time. Yep. I've done, no, I've, don't I've want that. that. Sorry. <laughs> don't want that because I'm going to be gone all day. I have no idea what's happening to the, the barrel yep. that was filled. And I'm not assigning people to do my job for me. Absolutely. And, and Lorenzo's uh, mention of, of moving to the back alley, we've done that as well. On different well, that would be really good. Yeah. Because I've also, I'm a substitute teacher, and I have been to McLennan, and I've heard what they've said, and I've been to Manny, <laughs> and I've certainly been to Grimshaw. Yeah. And uh, there are too many things that can go wrong to get a sticker for. And, and I'm sorry, but I really, I like to preamble, put my garbage out, and see it go. More full stars, not stickers. Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing is that it seems to me when you show those blue recycle bins, they designed those. I mean, I've lived in more than one community in my lifetime, and the best I ever saw for garbage was a blue basket plastic and a green basket and when you put your garbage out one day you either and you had to keep track of whether it was a blue or a green day so on the blue day you put your cans and bottles in there and they were taken the other day was paper and cardboard and they were taken the following week because you never fill up something like that in one week not if you're careful sometimes the problems other residents find with that is particularly when it's windy those open containers, they tend to get material blowing around a lot. Yeah, we they put rocks on them, so that, that solves that. Yeah. 
And the other thing is you get people running around, oh, you're awake and I use your garbage bin. Because i got too much garbage. Well, you know, like you said, at times there will be periods when people do have too much garbage. So why should they be penalized? Do you have to go down the block saying, are you using yours? Do you have room for one? I mean, that's, that's a big Well, you can, sell, you can sell your free space. Your so, space. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> and I'm also wondering, job-wise, how many people from Peace River are employed by you? Uh, most likely the driver demographic the driver base is pulled out of Grand Prairie. So right. I apologize for that. But Right. And so the recycling unit that we have up here, um, which is doing such a fantastic job, is now not going to have as much going there. Yeah, many times... And that, that's, that's a sore spot because I know people have worked really hard to get that going. Yeah. A lot of times, looking at, at actual data, it can be helpful. The... Town Recycling Depot, if you actually interviewed people who are utilizing it, I would bet you dollars to donuts. The majority of users are the rural community outside this community that do not receive waste collection on a weekly basis. And the people within this community are not the, the ones foremost using that. I, I would say to you very strongly that very few people within this community actually and consistently lug their recyclables to that depot each week. I've never seen a community in all of Alberta where this has been a study from right from Medicine Hat all the way up to Fort McMurray where that was not found to be strongly the case. But something else that I, I don't think that we consider is that they're sitting on stuff and you guys are taking care of it till the end. Yes, most definitely. So they've got a, an acre of bales yeah. waiting because the market is down. Yeah, the so last... I, I think this will be their problem. Yeah, the last one that got in that quandary was in Lac La Biche. It was uh, Big Jim's. And then, funny enough, it just all that inventory happened to burn to the ground. Big insurance claim. It's amazing how that happens so often when recyclers have difficulties. So there's a lot of... There's a lot more to it than when you start to scratch the surface. So I appreciate that comment. Thank you. I've never been over to Eco Center when I have met people I've known. Oh, certainly. And I'm, I'm sure there is a... But if you actually do a cross-section of the demographic, uh, you know, I'm saying maybe 15 or percent, or 15 or 20 percent of the town participate. And if you made that program curbside, I would say 75 to 85 percent of the town would participate. And when they're participating on a curbside program, they would actually bring more weight of material or more volume of material to the curb. You know, when you have to take things to a depot, maybe this week you go, maybe that week you don't. You're not as consistent. And how much you take in your car is not necessarily every last scrap because, again, it's inconvenient. Maybe this one time when the milk carton's empty, well, you know, this isn't the day to go to the depot or my depot box is already full, so maybe this carton goes into the garbage. But when you have a curbside program, it's so convenient, why would you ever not use it? Because it's going to be in the back lane. It's not going to be curbside. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I don't see your street being... Uh, uh, your street isn't that, that busy. Oh, it's crazy. And with Irwin's training center over there, a fire truck can't get down there, I'm sure. Because <laughs> they're parked on both sides. There's, it's, it's ridiculous. Ask me. I'll tell you. I'll take pictures. I think you just you. did. Okay, Wanda. Um, I'm sorry. What is the education then? Like, are you guys going around? So we're here, but what about the, the population? How are they knowing? Yeah. 
So usually we, we ask for things to be placed on the website. We do radio ads, we do newspaper ads, we do utility bill mail-outs. We also do sandwich board signs, and uh, we usually do promotion at the elementary schools. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Usually coloring contests. Awesome. They tend to go over well. <laughs> I just have one more comment. Uh, going back to the last council meeting, uh, we did put a poll up on Facebook. Uh, that poll closes on Friday, I believe, so it's not closed yet. So uh, I see later on in the agenda you have it down to make a decision. You may want to uh, postpone that until after the, the poll has closed. Uh, or not, but I just wanted to point out that it hasn't closed yet and uh, someone could feel slighted. Are you able to pull any of those results live, let's say sometime between now and then? Um, yeah, Anna does have uh, ability to pull the results at, at any time and we, we forward to council where, where it was uh, late this afternoon. Um, so you have you have that by email, I believe. Okay. Um, I mean, I'd be, you know, if you're going to keep, if you're going to keep the poll going, you probably don't want to share the results of where it's at because that may affect how someone votes if, if it continues to uh, be voted. I mean, if you're ready to make a decision and close it, well, then that's fine. Just to clarify, then when when would this the new um, uh, system start again? Is it May 30th or is it May 1st? I can't remember what the dates were. June 1st? June 1st. Oh, okay. Because I'm just thinking if we delay the decision too long and we lose that ed educational time that people are going to need for the bag limits and the size. and Okay. Would a week would make it that much difference to you guys, would it? How much time does it take you to get that in place then? I mean, to get the bins out to people's places and, like, how? what that timelines do you need? I mean, you, you probably need a minimum of 45 days to have any shot at proper promotion. But then the real-time delay is exactly what you identified, is if you choose the automated collection, it would take us 38 days just to get the carts. And then we would want at least uh, two weeks to make sure we can roll out. So, so you're looking at a minimum six weeks? Yeah. So minimum. That's, and that's bare minimum. Okay. The longer you gentlemen sit here, the more questions counselors will have. So <laughs> I, know the, I know the mayor wants to move along. Uh, on the waste management fees, so again, I'm looking at your bid number. Uh, there would be a, you're going to use a Peace Region Waste Management facility, obviously, and we would be billed, we, the town, would be billed back. So that's that's not part of your proposal. We, we're going to pay the tippage, right? On the on the landfill. Right. We take all the processing of the recyclables is included in the price. Right, okay. Okay, so, all right, so you, exactly, but we're, on the tippage fee, we, in addition to this cost, we're, we're paying the tippage fees. Okay, fair enough. 
just for my own comparison then, in the, in the number that we were dealing with on the old contract, then that's the same case, right? That doesn't include? It's just the pickup is not? That's okay. correct. Yeah, so it's apples to apples. The right? numbers you're looking at are apples to apples, okay. but the town has additional costs that are not in here with the landfill costs. Okay. And there will be some savings from that on the recycling, something to keep in mind. And you said 20%? Yeah. Reduction? Yes. In, in the amount that's going to the landfill? Yep. That's conservative. That's, that's, that's conservative? Yep. Yes. I believe that's right. We don't actually don't service Edmonton, so can't speak to that specifically. We're pretty sure. conservative here, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Thanks. you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Motion we take a break. Did you want me to stick around for later in the meeting? Yeah, I think there'll be questions on the dollar costs. Okay. I don't know when, 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 are you, when is that one up? That's up right after, is that one of the early? That's old business. Thank you again. Good evening. Okay, yeah, it's, so it's under old business, so it should be. It's right after bylaws. Yeah, it's right after bylaws. So... I'll uh, declare the recess over, and uh, we will move into uh, bylaws. And so the uh, first one up is bylaw 1956. It's an amendment to the Westview Area Structure Plan, and uh, the recommendation on this one was second and third reading. Um, and I think... I'm assuming that everybody has asked their questions of Ms. Modi, or not. You can ask more questions if you want. Pardon? Could you go over your presentation again for us? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, uh, so perhaps I'll just uh, ask for a motion on uh, on this. On bylaw 1956. <coughs> Your Worship, I'm prepared to put a motion on the floor to uh, provide second reading to bylaw 1956. Any discussion? Hearing none, I'll call for a vote on bylaw 1956. All in favor? Passed. Uh, is there anyone willing to put a third reading on the table? I'll make that motion, Worship, to give third reading to bylaw 1956. Any, go ahead. I was just going to say uh, there was a recommendation with respect to the um, municipal reserve component. Uh, Alicia, did you want to just speak to that one quickly? Yeah, I, I would encourage council to include that as part of the motion so that it's on the record that okay. the town would like to explore the municipal reserve <coughs> to make sure that there's an adequate park space in this neighborhood. This is a, it, at build-out, this area, just the Northeast Housing is upwards of 400 people, and that doesn't include potential residential development near, just across the street, so. We can get cash and moves. I'll make that, include that as part of the motion that we consider, have, however you want to word it, that the administration work with the uh, 
uh, Northeast Housing so. Foundation to look at establishing adequate uh, green space for that area. So, uh, perhaps you could read back the bylaw, the amendment as you word it, Ms. Alonso. Um, Councillor Burr moved to grant the third reading to bylaw 1957 and to direct administration to work 56, my apologies. Um, and to work with the direct to direct administration to work with the Northeast Housing Foundation to look at establishing adequate green space for that area. Sounds good. Eh? All in favor of Councilor Burr's motion? Okay, that takes us to bylaw 1957. And bylaw 1957. Uh, is again a rezoning, uh, well, it's a rezoning of land in the Westview area structure plan. There was a he hearing on this, uh, so I think it's fairly fresh in people's memories. Uh, so perhaps just a focused discussion, I'll ask for a motion on, uh, motion for second reading on bylaw 1957. Yes, Your Worship. Uh, I'm prepared to put a motion on the floor to. Uh, Provide second reading to uh, bylaw 1957. All in favor of bylaw? I mean, sorry. Any discussion? Uh, hearing none. Uh, um, uh, who's in favor of bylaw 1957? <coughs> second reading. Okay, passed unanimously. Is there anyone who wishes to make a third reading? I'd be willing to put a motion on the floor, Your Worship, to give third reading to bylaw 1957. Discussion. Hearing none, all in favor? Unanimous, passed. That takes us to uh, bylaw 1958, uh, and I believe our uh, bylaw enforcement officer, Graham Smith, is here to uh, provide a backgrounder. Good evening, members of council. Uh, Smith. You should have before you a, a request for decision. Uh, regarding a new taxi bylaw, uh, you will see that the existing bylaw is five years old. It's been strongly suggested it requires some adjustments, uh, in which I concur, uh, especially in terms of enhancing public safety for by a driver licensing, mechanical reliability, and, and an improved public complaints uh, process. Uh, we've had ongoing consultation with the RCMP, other jurisdictions, and the, the package that's being brought forward uh, is a draft. Uh, we are uh, asking uh, one of two options, and the first option being first reading uh, to this bylaw 1958. If you've read through the package, uh, I think it's fairly clear. Uh, certainly try to answer any questions you may have at this point in time. Uh, again, we're going to uh, have an improved licensing application process uh, the advent of the uh, what the RCMP call live scan uh, 
basically now instead of having to take fingerprints manually where they take all ten or whatever amount you have, if one's missing they have to make a note of it. And these get sent off to Ottawa to the fingerprint section, otherwise known to me as FPS. Uh, Time-consuming process, criminal records checks for things other than serious, you know, crimes, you know, bank robbery, murder, uh, national security, uh, tend to go to the bottom of the pile with FPS, just the way they operate, because it's the national service. Uh, Grand Prairie Detachment some years ago brought in this online scanning. Peace River Detachment now has accessibility to it. it it's much quicker. We don't need all ten digits. We need thumb and forefinger of each hand picture. The original criminal records check, number one, is done through what they call CPIC. Uh, you've probably heard the term Canadian Police Information Center. It is based solely upon name and date of birth. There can be any number of people out there with the names, you know, Graham Smith, even though I spell it funny, uh, with the same date of birth. Uh, then it'll, it's going to come back saying, Either they're all clear, or it'll come back with a what they call a possible hit, which means then we have to have the full fingerprints. Goes to Ottawa, they go through the records and come back says, "No, this guy's clear. Uh, no, this is the particular guy based on the fingerprints. He has convictions for." This way, it's a whole lot faster. Instead of waiting anywhere up to two months, we're waiting on a good week, uh, seven to five, uh, seven to ten days to get that back. And the arrangement we have uh, is that it comes back, the attachment, instead of the subject bringing it in, detachment sends it to us. He gets the original, but we get the copy. So we know who we're dealing with right off the bat. So anybody who has less than desirable credentials, we're going to know about it, and we're going to know about it very quickly. Uh... The mechanical inspections, uh, there's been a lot of toing and froing on this. Originally, uh, when this bylaw was brought in, in under 1847, uh, we were using a standard known as to, the, to the public as the out-of-province inspection. It's very rigorous. Vehicles coming from another jurisdiction into Alberta are subjected to a, a pretty stiff inspection. A lot of screaming about the cost of it, and I, I don't dispute the cost is high depending, you know, or it doesn't depend which dealer you go to, which garage you go to, they're high, no question about it. And there was a lot of discussion, and uh, Mr. Bunn will be aware that we had discussions. They were claiming to us that it was putting a lot of them in the poorhouse. We reverted to an inspection process under the, uh, what's used under the Insurance Act. The Insurance Act, uh, say if you're selling a vehicle privately, and if it's over 11, 10, 11, 12 years, it, the, the number fluctuates by whatever the province is doing at that point in time. It has to be inspected past. Has it been altered for, for terms of performance? Is it roadworthy? We adopted that at a significantly less expense, but it doesn't give you the check on mechanical reliability, brakes, uh, hydraulics, the whole nine yards. Uh, public complaints process uh, has been c 
kind of strange. Some we can act on, some we can't because they fall squarely under the jurisdiction of the Traffic Safety Act, which we do not police, you know, other than through our photo radar program, and that's entirely separate for this. In terms of you know, erratic driving, aggressive driving, cutting people off, those are matters for the RCMP and the sheriffs to deal with. And the, those complaints have to go to them. And there's sometimes been a communications lapse between the RCMP and ourselves that, you know, they'll tell us eventually. You know, it just depends on which NCO had the watch and did they send over an email or did they give me a phone call to let me know that, you know, we, we clock so-and-so, you know, doing a buck ten up the West Hill when you should have been doing 80. Sorry, Graham. Yeah. Maybe uh, just you, you, I think, have highlighted in the bylaw yeah. all your changes. Yeah. The, uh, so why don't we just focus and yeah. uh, Let's, let's go look at those. Them. Like, see, there are a number of changes which are highlighted. Uh, in the section under definition, uh, section, pardon, are failing, section L, taxicab general inspection. Something we haven't had before, but it's strongly recommended to us by uh, the City of Grand Prairie uh, Municipal Enforcement. Uh, basically, they're saying they don't want cross-contamination. You know, they, there's certain things they just do not allow to be stored in the cab, either in the luggage space or in the back end. Tires, lubricants, windshield wiper fluid, anything that contaminate goods. Uh, they also uh, look at the outside appearance, is it, you know, is it a rust bucket, uh, is the inside clean, you know, has he got the uh, warning light covered with a piece of black tape, etc. like that. Moving on, tax cab driver permits. Okay, we put in uh, the stipulation they must have an Alberta Class 4. That's, that's standard for tax cab driver. We just reinforce that. Uh, criminal records check involving a vulnerable sector check. Vulnerable sector refers to persons who are dealing with children, the elderly, persons with disabilities, uh, persons with, uh, I'm struggling for a word here, but uh, less than the usual mental facilities who may not understand the nature and quality of the transaction. Uh, those uh, will also weed out any known sex offenders. Mr. Smith, uh, is it, sorry for the interruption, is this where the mandatory fingerprint comes in? Yeah, that's where live scan comes in, and they have to make rate on it, and we, we tell them, and I've marked it on there, <coughs> vulnerable sector check required. Uh, when we first did this, uh, we had put in a section, no permits shall be issued to anyone who has been convicted under the Criminal Code of Canada or the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act within five years immediately preceding impaired driving, refusing a breath sample, assault causing bodily harm, assault with a weapon, and possession for the purpose of trafficking or trafficking. Those need to go back in, in my opinion, in the opinion of the RCMP as well. Uh, anyone who has been charged under the Criminal Code or Controlled Drugs and Substances Act until the charge has been withdrawn or otherwise dealt with in a manner that doesn't result in conviction. What that means is an absolute or conditional discharge, which is up to the courts. 
Any tax cab driver charged with an offense under criminal code or CDSA, controlled drug, etc. So Recall. going back to the last one, so sure. a state charge would not be would not be one that state charge. Uh, we hadn't explored that one. Uh, I, I should take that up with Staff Meyer on that one. That one just never, because he and I and, and Sergeant Onassi and Director Bushy all went through this, and it, that never crossed our minds. And a state charge is definitely. But say usually, in my experience in the courts. Any charge, any criminal charge which has been stayed, the prosecution believes that there's probably not enough evidence to obtain a conviction, but they leave the option open for a year. One year. If there's anything new that comes up along, then they can reinstate. Okay, so you'll take that up with... Yeah, I'll take that up with Staff Meyer and Sergeant Onassi. So, Mr. Smith, under Section 4, um, 4A, uh, has been convicted under the Criminal Code of Canada. Um, you have the three the three listings there. So, if a person has been convicted under the Criminal Code, the way this reads, they're not driving a cab in this town whatsoever. However, under Section 4B, if you've been convicted under the Criminal Code under the under the Controlled Drugs and Sub- Substance Act, those listed there. That's where the five years comes that's in. So we've five, got rid of the five years. That's the five-year prohibition. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Uh, anybody who's been charged with an offense under criminal code or the Controlled Drugs and Substance Act required to report that back forthwith to us as the licensing authority, at which point we will suspend that license until such time it has been disposed of in the court of law, either by uh, a conviction or by an acquittal. If it's a conviction, it's canceled, it's revoked. If it's, you know, if it's an acquittal, everyone is, unfortunately, some days, uh, entitled to due process. And if a court of law finds you not guilty, well, who are we? Uh, we're, we're saying that the standard of inspection for mechanical, which we beefed up back very, very close to the other province, is still an annual inspection unless it's under warranty. Uh, or we have reason to believe there's something seriously wrong with the vehicle. But every six months, and here's the beauty of it, I don't need a mechanic to do it. It's, it's a general inspection. It's, you know, the, the body condition, paint, cleanliness, uh, possible contaminants in the luggage compartment, that sort of thing. And twice a year they bring it in, or where someone says, you know, this, this cab is a pigsty, and then we'll demand that they bring it in and have it inspected. And it's a, you don't have to be a mechanic to do that. Uh, the uh, identifying the cab itself, it's one thing to have the company name and phone number on the two doors. Uh, we would like to see a numeral on each front fender and on the rear in a, uh, a bright color contrasting to the body color so that you, know, you can read it even through some of the mud that we get on our roads. And it's got to be two inches high, an inch wide, and that way a citizen who has a complaint, okay, it was such and such taxi number four. You know, he's got three chances find the number on it. It's going to help us identify them. 
it will also help them in the respect too that you know there's well it was such and such company well, we can't well it was a dark color this way they have an opportunity to see a number okay uh, decal advertising the fare rate any applicable surcharges both sides of the taxi okay. proceed to the destination uh, requested but the most direct route, barring any, you know, detours due to construction or emergency situations, and that's a given. Not to store or place any substance intended for vehicle maintenance in a compartment where the passenger belongings are transported includes, but not limited to, lubricant, spare tires, windshield washer, etc. Shall display the taxi cab driver's permit in a transparent protective sleeve to be suspended from the interior rear view mirror. That way it can be seen by the fare. It can be seen by any officer who happens to stop that vehicle. I thought you weren't supposed to hang things from the rear view. Mirror. We can get away with that one. That That is an identifier, and uh, I've already checked that one. That one is perfectly legitimate. They, they don't like you hanging fuzzy dice from them. That, that sort of went out years ago, but, yeah, you're not, you know, the, they let you hang the, the air fresheners off them, so. Sounds like you were chided for hanging fuzzy dice on your car. Well, Graham, you just mentioned air fresheners, so with, with respect to I there, shall not smoke themselves or permit any passengers to smoke within the taxi cab. That means... All 24 hours, no 24 smoking seven. whatsoever. They want to have smoke, get out, stand in the parking lot. That's very interesting. Going to be interesting, you know, in, in case we stumble across them, and that's going to be exactly what it is. We happen to stumble across the driver and or the pair sitting in a parking lot, puffing away. Yeah. But they, they know that, you know, it's not supposed to happen. Next one. Town shall conduct at a minimum a monthly review of public complaints received by the town and or the police authorities regarding the operation of taxi cab. Complaints may include, but are not limited to, erratic operation, cleanliness, courteous service, fares, and other such matters as may be deemed detrimental to the provision of an efficient and safe taxi service for the town. Uh, we, we don't want to be getting into the trial by Facebook thing. I would much rather persons come in here. They now have an opportunity to identify the driver. They can certainly identify the cab. And where necessary, if it's a, you know, a provincial fence, speeding, erratic driving, then the RCMP will be sitting down with myself or my successors somewhere down the road. And we're going to know about this in a timely fashion. That's That's been the thing, has been the time delay. And unfortunately, people... Something happens today, but they may report it today or tomorrow or two days from now or when they get around to it next Monday. They just don't think. Those seem to be the, the major changes in the bylaw. Oh, yeah, the council may, if they so wish, from time to time, establish minimum and maximum fares and surcharges for taxi service. Uh, if you want to get into the business of you know, regulating fares, that's totally up to you. Uh, I have no idea what their operating costs are like. Uh, it was considered at one point. 
the council at the time decided they didn't want any part of it. Pete, now I'm getting to that. Uh, so we go to yeah, Schedule A. Annual tax cab licensing, company license, currently now $100 would become 150 Taxi driver's permits currently 15 would become 25 Because on top of that, they're going to have to pay for the criminal records check. Uh, the RCMP doesn't do these for free anymore. Transfer of company license, uh, because of the paperwork involved in the number of vehicles and such, we jack that uh, from 20 to 50 Replacing lost permits, it's a time-consuming thing. We have to get a new picture. We have to have uh, Lori or uh, Leanne put the picture on the card, get it all typed up. On the card, get me to sign it. And it's just an inconvenience. Okay. To replace a lost permit, I think, it, I think it's five bucks, five or ten dollars. For just to replace a lost card. On your uh, report here, it shows replace lost permits 25. 25? Okay, so we didn't change that one. I beg your pardon. Uh, again, the uh, requirements, criminal records check, vulnerable sector check, class 4 license, driver's abstract. Those haven't changed. The mechanical, the general one, uh, still under manufacturer's warranty, uh, inspected on the expiry of the warranty, five years maximum. Anything over five years, annual inspection. Tax vehicles inspected every six months in regards to the, the other stuff. Uh, there's samples of the inspection forms attached. And... Then the penalty schedule, and the RCMP brought this forward, and I, I have to agree with them. Uh, the penalty schedule that was approved previously didn't have a lot of deterrence in it. It was pretty much small change. We need to get their attention. We have to make it so that, you know, if they do get convicted of an offense, it's going to teach them uh, what the judges tend to call a short, sharp lesson. <clears throat> so, if you operate a tax cab business with a license, $1,500. Drive it without a driver's permit, $500. And I see, we had that, I think we had that pegged around $100, $150. And it just, I mean, these guys would go out and do whatever until they made enough money to come in and pay for a permit or whatever else. This, that was, it was, beg, beg, I beg your pardon, but it was Mickey Mouse. It needs some teeth. Okay, so, uh, so what you're looking for is first reading on this particular First bylaw? reading, yes. And then what we'll do is we hope to, we'll take it to the, the operators. And then, well, what do you mean take it to the operators? Well, we'll so this is what's being proposed. What's your input? So are you putting that on the website or what? what is it? How, how long a review and comment period, I guess? I say I've been discussing this with Lance. I haven't discussed it with Kelly yet, but I'm thinking I'd like to provide them all the written copy. That way, oh, I don't have the internet, or I, I didn't see it. I uh, I will deliver it personally if I have to, but I'm thinking no more than ten days to two weeks, tops. Okay, so 15 day review and comment period, and 
you'll actually reach out to the drivers, but you probably should put it on the website because yeah. half of this is driven by public yeah. complaints about the taxi. So, yeah. so maybe the public can comment as well. Yeah. We and can uh, so are there, uh, just uh, open it up to councillors, so are there changes councillors would like to see? I just have a number of questions, Your Worship. Okay. Um, right at the very get-go, Mr. Smith, um, when uh, we were discussing this back late 2014, there were some ideas about dash cam. Where did that go, or how did that discussion go? Uh, there was only one company that actually brought it forward, and they sort of went, uh, not too much cost. Uh, we could do it. It's, we're getting into the same ball game as putting in meters. Uh, yes, it would be an excellent idea in, in terms of either proving or disproving uh, a complaint. Uh, but I don't know the, the niceties, the, all the, the legal niceties of our being able to access this material. Uh, it's been tried in other jurisdictions, and the, uh, the answers from the courts are conflicting. I, I let that one go for the time being until I get more data. I need to study more of the legal cases, not only from Alberta, from, but from within Canada, because the minute you're dealing with the public in a situation like this, even if it's for their own good, we and even for the driver's own good, we still have to be cognizant of uh, Section 7 of the Charter the famous uh, life, liberty, and the security of the person section. And I would want to be very, very sure of what we're legally able to demand. And right now, I am not. I'll be perfectly frank with you. In regards to the uh, to the fees or the penalties that you had listed here, um, driver gets a fine. He's got, or he or she may have three cars in their company. So is that car or the driver suspended until the fine's paid or is the whole company suspended? Just the driver. Just it's, the driver. It's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a complaint against the driver. If, they, if they're operating without a permit or if they, they had a permit and we suspended them. Yeah, I mean, the company one will be well over and beyond that level. I mean, they would, we would be looking at proving that the uh, the owner of the company was complicit in the driver's actions. So, and how are we going to deal with the, uh, there again, getting back into the discussion of the traffic offenses, people driving radically, speeding. Um, I know those complaints go to the RCMP. Mm -hmm. However, how does that, how do you anticipate that flowing down so that um, you can deal with them on that uh, so-called six-month complaint? Okay. Firstly, speed, we've got them. You know, either they, they, a member has caught them on, on, on radar or the, the photo enforcement program has got them. Uh, if it comes down to erratic driving or aggressive driving, again, we're going to have to depend very much on the complainant giving as much information as he can to the police authority, then bring it to us. And there's where the identifiers, the, you know, the unit numbers on each vehicle will help us. 
is that way now we know that vehicle number four is the one being accused of tailgating. Vehicle number four is the one of being accused of passing on the right when unsafe to do. And then that comes down, then we take it against the company. We, we bring them in or we sit down with each company every month if there are complaints again, or every six months. Or if it becomes epidemic, then if I have to drag them in every two weeks, I will. But if it gets to that point, they're not going to be operating, at least in my book. They shouldn't be. But again, we need that the tool of being able to identify them. That's why we're asking for the, the unit numbers, both vendors, back end. Because how often can you read a license plate in this country at this time of year, especially through the winter? Mr. Ford, could I interrupt on that topic of unit numbers? Um, so these unit numbers are the ones that are recommended to be two inches in height and one inch wide? Right. Same as what you yeah, can put on your, uh, basically, same size as what you put on your front door. Two inches? Yeah, you know what you're sorry, saying is just that's, a touch that's way too small. I can't see that. <laughs> if, um, yeah, but let's say once we get them in that contrasting to the body color, it should stick out like a sore thumb. And I say I've discussed this with the RCMP NCOs and with some of the traffic members. And they seem to think that'll work. We use the uh, the two inch block lettering on silver vehicles with the company I work for for identifiers, and it works quite well. And just for I mean, these guys are are in metric, and they don't really understand inches. I mean, but the, the the one thing you may find interesting is we've just uh, the the bylaw provides that if they want to register a specific color for their company, they're permitted to do so. One company did right from the get-go. That would have been Peace River Taxi. Their vehicles are all registered as white. We've just now had one come in, been reviewed and approved by Mr. Bunn. He is now silver. If other companies have a silver, one currently in service, it may remain so, but the day is retired, comes out of service, they can't get another silver. And this fellow who's just gone all silver, he has one blue unit. He may continue to operate that until such time as it's retired. Okay. And that in itself, just having one company white, one company silver, if the others fall in the line, that much more chance of identifying, and you see, with the color and then with the unit numbers, a whole lot more chances to identify. Uh, in regards to the fees at application, I think this it's uh, 3.14. Um, so, for instance, if a driver comes in and does the application, and and the situation is that the he's not approved because of what we've implemented, because let's say an assault charge or something like that, are those fees? We will returned not, or not? We will not necessarily uh, take the cash right in the spot. Those are more for the company licensing as opposed to the driver licensing. Company licensing, we do just like a business license. You know, you come in, you pay your money up front, and we carry on. On a driver's license, what we do is we come in, they'll come in, present all their documents. If the stuff comes back 
from the RCMP saying that this person is not acceptable, then we just don't give them a license and we don't have the money to refund anyway. The uh, last question I have, and um, I'm just going to refer to uh, Mr. Bunn here first. There was It was during the presentation with the RCMP that was uh, discussed in camera. However, the, the question I have for Mr. Smith pertains to the original bylaw where the, this certain item is listed in the original but not in this bylaw. And I, am I okay to bring that up in, in this discussion? Uh, not if it was mentioned in camera. I don't think you should bring it up. But it, it, is, it is in the original bylaw. Well, what's the item in the original bylaw? Uh, speaks to dispatching. Okay, uh, my question then would be, Mr. Smith, um, in regards to the old bylaw compared to the new bylaw, um, we, there is a law out there right now that speaks to distracted driving, and how is that being addressed with dispatching of cabs within the Peace River? That is entirely up to the RCMP. Have we had that discussion with them? I have no <coughs> idea. I know they have tried. I, I personally sat in court one day while they tried to prosecute a cab driver for distracted driving for use of a, a, a microphone. And the judge tossed it. Didn't consider it distracting. As long as they use a the, the headset or whatever or hands-free, it's really... It really doesn't meet the definition of distracted driving as far as I'm aware of that definition. So if I understand correctly, then, if um, a, a person or a customer phones a cab in the town and they answer their phone as they're driving down... That would be, in my estimation, distracted driving. But again, it, again, I don't enforce that particular act. Only the, the sheriffs of the Mounties can enforce that one. Uh, other than that, uh, thanks for doing your homework, Mr. Swift. Great job. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I have a question. There's no C1 in there. I was just oh, did say it did not come through? I gave it to him. Schedule C1. No, it's not there. Yeah. C2 is in here, but not C1. Oh, yeah. See, I set it down on Thursday okay. uh, when we're getting this all. I guess as long as it's in, whatever goes out to the public. And needs oh, to it be will there, be so. there, I guarantee you. It's It's... I'm not mistaken, it's about two and a half pages, and it is pretty overwhelming. It's That's my concern. Are we trying to put people out of business by putting... In no, we're trying to make them make it so they get into a safe vehicle. Because yeah. that was the original intent years ago. Because some of these cabs, when we first brought that in, and that was one of the things that precipitated the entire taxi bylaw. There were some vehicles running around here that were pretty much held together with duct tape and chewing gum. Yeah. Like 10,000 automobile parts flying in loose formation. And that's why we went to that standard of outer province. And this one is, I think it's, if it's not the same, it's darn close to it. And, and just for clarification, though, uh, we did hear a lot of a lot of complaints about that. So, yeah. um, 
and and perhaps you were a little strong in saying that that's the only inspection that ensures safe taxi well, cabs because yeah because the the standard that we use ensures safe taxi oh, cabs. absolutely you know yeah. they you know the mechanic signs it off the mechanic is you know also putting himself at risk by signing off something that isn't true he not only can we jerk the taxi driver or the company the, it comes back upon the mechanic who signed a false declaration. As I say, I, I beg your pardon for being a little too strong on that, but I, I, I've had some very strong feelings on this subject over the years, and sometimes I let my mouth get ahead of me. Great. So what you want is first reading, and uh, you're going to put this up on the website for public review and comment for a 15-day period? Yes, please. And I right. guess if councillors... Uh, had some some changes that they want to see. Perhaps they can put their uh, comments in on the public, like changing the size of the numbers. <laughs> uh, if there's some councillors that feel strongly about dash dashboard cameras being in cameras, maybe they can add those comments on the public website. And uh, then you'll have to uh, address those, or or at least the uh, the suggestion will be made. So. Um, I'll, uh, to focus discussion, I'll ask for a motion to make first Your Worship, I'd be willing to put a motion on the floor to give first reading to bylaw 1958, known as the taxi bylaw, as presented. Okay. Any further discussion? Your Worship, I think the friendly amendment uh, would be a requirement to uh, uh, undertake some consultation with, uh, with the uh, local cab companies as well. And uh, the public? Yes, by all means. So can you read that motion with the friendly amendment? Do you accept the friendly amendment, Mr. Ford? Yes, Your Worship. So can you read the motion back? So I believe the motion made by Ms. Councillor Ford was to, uh, for first reading of taxi by, of the of bylaw 1958, known as the taxi bylaw, uh, and uh, consultation be conducted with the local taxi companies as well as the public for a 15 day for a minimum of a 15 day period does that meet your needs that meets my needs yes sir. does that mean we get to see the comments from the tax companies i think that's going to be the the crux of it is what what they're saying in terms of some of the changes there are, you know i didn't follow it the last go round, but I understand there's quite a bit of controversy and several presentations at council, I guess. So I think as a minimum, I'd like to see the con specific comments that the cab companies bring forward. Right. So th those are the expectations that you, uh, that you'll uh, provide us the comments uh, of the taxi companies. I'm, I'm going to try to get their comments in writing. Some of them may or may not, but I see where they don't provide them in writing and I'm quite sure they'll give me an earful. I'll Take well, careful. if they did, take, take careful can, notes. You can tell them that Tom Tarpey, the mayor, thinks that if you can't document it, you didn't make the comments. So, <laughs> okay. Well, sir. All, all in favor of uh, Councillor Ford's motion? Okay, that takes us to um, unfinished business. Residential waste pickup tender decision on service type. So uh, residential waste collection, and there's a PDF associated with this one, which is the same, the original, which is the same one? Yes. Yeah. 
Okay, so there were some uh, questions after uh, after you presented this and after that council meeting. So one of them that I saw on the website, and I have a similar uh, interest in this question, was one made by uh, Councillor Burr. So on our utility bills, $15 a month for, for garbage pickup. So how is how is that fifteen dollars number arrived at, and uh, how is it broken up? I think Kelly can best answer that. Well, we we're we're looking into that. Uh, we went back. The bylaw was passed in twenty twelve, I believe, and but there was no background as to how that specific rate was uh, why fifteen dollars was chosen. So uh, we we have and we still are looking for the rationale behind it, but but basically where we sit over the last two years is um, we end up after we pay the landfill charges, the the um, spring and fall cleanup charges, all of those various charges. That rate has generated about a sixty thousand dollar surplus that is used as part of general revenue. But we, what we can't find was the rationale as to, as to why it was put in in the first place. Okay. Uh, because so currently, well, I think before the fees were up, it was around two hundred thousand dollars a year pickup, right? The the pickup part. Uh, I think so. I, so I think what so there's the, twenty seven hundred if, if houses you, in this town or residences in this town. I think the number is 2,096, correct? For this current, for this current, yeah. for this current contract. Okay, and uh, and so on a monthly basis, I worked that out back in the envelope calculation. That was nine dollars per household per month. So my question was, where does the other six go? So there's a thirty-two dollar a ton <laughs> tipping fee, and you said how many uh, how many tons of residential waste do we generate a, a year? I'm not sure that I have that answer. In, in the proposal from the existing contractor, he had given us a number uh, per household of 1,200 and something tons. Oh, or, sorry, 1,200 kilograms, sorry. <laughs> okay. 1,200 kilograms? Okay, so <laughs> 1.2 tons. So he was just using uh, – well, you had a number, though, when you were here last, and you said you we seem to generate more per yeah. I was per reading capita. it from I was reading it from his, from the okay. other you the know. other proposal. Oh, from uh, fr which uh, is our existing contractor, so he would have that data, right? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And it was substantially more than than what we should. We were more than the provincial average. The numbers was the provincial average was around eight hundred, and we were around twelve hundred. Oh, okay. So basically a ton, 1.2 tons per house. And so we have, what, 2,000-odd houses? 2,100-odd uh, or so houses? Yeah. So 2,000, let's say. And then with residential, with, with uh, spring and fall cleanup, how many? I can, I can the budget. Okay. Do you have the those numbers? In? Yeah, they're in the budget. 
So it's $32 per, uh, per ton. And you divide that by 12. Yeah, we're making quite a bit of money on that $15. So we have fees to the Peace Regional Landfill but for, that's just for belonging? No. No, just for use. We, we, we own three-sevenths of So it. what does it cost us per year to own it then? Right. Like, is any of that in here, or it's so supposed to be... It's self-sustaining. It's making money. And is any of this $15 fee supposed to go to any um, reclamation for sites? I don't think this... There was a, There's a green fee that was in there at one time. <coughs> Is it now all one? Yeah, the, in the way, way back, they, yeah, it was called an enviro, enviro fee or something. And, and, yeah, and but I, there was a, but wasn't there a fee to, was that enviro fee also to, to handle the legacy landfills? I, I think that was part of the thinking, but I, I think we inherited some of that as well. I'm sure it's nowhere near what's actually required. No, it isn't, but it was there in case half the landfill fell in the river and we'd have to run out there and get trucks and haul the garbage away. So, um, so your worship is people are looking for some data here. Um, so if I'm uh, understanding this proposal right, Trent, so to make sure we're comparing apples to apples and set aside the $15 discussion, but there's no reason why we can't provide a blue bag service at less money than what we're currently providing, right? Is, it, is that correct? That, that's, that's correct. The, the, so we the, are? The, the proposal, I mean, in the proposal there was many options, right. but the option for manual garbage picking up three, three bags maximum per week plus doing weekly pickup of blue bag is less money than you're paying now. Okay, just so that we're clear on the apples-to-apples apples discussion. Okay, fair enough. And the discussion about whether or not the $15 is the right number, that's, uh, I guess we're waiting for well, some from discussion. Well, is, are we looking at apples-to-apples? Apples? So if we're charging yeah. everybody $15, but then we're clawing back 60000 of it a year and putting it in general revenues... So somebody's chewed it up in general revenues. Well, I, I, I guess what I'm suggesting is if you, we go with this, we continue to accrue money to that 60000 which is another discussion, so we should find out what the right number should be because we, cer we certainly shouldn't be overcharging for the service, but um, we, need to, we need to find out what that number is. But I guess initially when I looked at this contract, my goals were um, not to raise taxes or not to raise a utility fee. And... Um, the option that I'm looking at would suggest that we can certainly keep it the same, or if what we're hearing is accurate, we may be able to reduce it. So which which one are you suggesting uh, that we adopt? Your Worship, I, 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 my preference would be the recommended one, which would be the, um, the 221,337. So that would be the manual system uh, oh, okay. with the weekly blue bag. So that gives oh, okay. us gives us the uh, the option that um, some former councillors, I guess, have advocated for a number of years. Uh, I think that keeps, we, we keep the current system in town. I mean, I can choose to use that or I can choose to take my recyclable 
products, my newsprint, glass, cardboard, tin over to one of the, the depots, or I can put it on the curb. So I, I, I think by doing this, it's going to help, uh, uh, well, encourage people to do recycling, but more importantly, it's going to divert stuff out of the landfill. And I, I think that's, mm -hmm. that's an important objective. But I, I would be interested in the $15 number, uh, if we could get some clarification. Well, I think one of the issues, you know, in some of the discussions on Facebook, several people just assumed that any recycling program was going to be more costly, and that never really came out. Obviously, the people are commenting never read the information that was put on the uh, the website because I, I, to me, it's fairly clear that some of these options are less costly than what we're paying now. I think the discussion, what we do with the surplus from it, the 60000 and if you add this number, it's going to be 66000 or whatever it is. You know, I think that's that's a debate for another time. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I, I didn't mean to. I, I guess if, if I was to be asked to vote, I, I presume we're going to vote on this tonight. I did not want to vote for a, a cost that's going to be more than $15. And I, I, my interpretation is it's clearly less than $15, but we'll perhaps debate that number at a... So, future but meeting. that affects the way I would vote. If I could spend the $15 and have something that costs less so I get the automated version for $15 versus not, that might influence me. Right. Yes, absolutely. You could certainly go to one of the, the blue box options. I, I, I was with Deputy Manzer on the one-armed bandit, as I call it. I was... A, I thought that was certainly the industry trend, and the more I read um, about that system and when I listened to the Evergreen presentation, there are challenges of the geography in this town. You've got to have a truck that lifts that bin up and over, uh, the snow conditions. Um, I think someone mentioned that they have a senior uh, senior parents have to grab those bins and drag them to the front curb. It, they're, they're heavy. They are a heavy bin. Um, so with all of that in place, I, I came back. Uh, my, my preference is to go with what we've got and go with the... Uh, uh, go, so if go I have a three-bag limit, I still have to stick it all in one garbage can? One garbage bin? Uh, you, you can use two cans. Yeah, it's just but the it can't exceed bagged. three bags. But it has like, to be bagged. And it can't exceed three. And it can't exceed three. And according they, to our bylaw, you have to put it in a receptacle. Because he said they take them out of, they carry them out of the receptacle. Yeah. So it doesn't matter yeah. how many receptacles but you use. Just as a another point, uh, I mean, I, I had to whittle down a 20-page proposal yeah, yeah, to a couple yeah, yeah. pages when I just gave you the information. Um, they also have an option to go from three bags to four bags for an extra 50 cents a unit. Uh, so they that, it, you know, if three isn't the right number, uh, you could do four. That, that, that you know that that isn't you know. So if, if you decide that manual is what you want to go, now you get down to the specific: is the right number three or is the right number four? Now they no, also the, gave the, the option for a tag bag, right? Like if you wanted to buy additional tags. All, all of the all of the options pretty much like you have to realize that. Even with the carts, you're limiting, and but in all of them, they had uh, an option where you the town can sell the uh, tags, so that if you know someone's going to know this knows or know that it, on occasion they produce more garbage, they can come to the town, buy some tags, have them at home, and when they need them, they use them. Yeah, the, I guess the idea behind the three bag thing is you limit that, <coughs> and that forces people to recycle, and and so you'll have a 
a weekly blue bag pickup. Yeah. As opposed to bi-weekly. The I think my my biggest concern with with uh, with the whole thing, and I guess maybe this could would be a, a question for Graham in the back there, is whether we have a three bag limit, and we have a bylaw that says you must put your trash in a can, and half the time it's not being abided by anyway, and you're getting all these ump dozen pictures of ravens spreading the garbage all around the street, and how do we address that if we don't go to to uh, or provide a bin or or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, through enforcement it's, it's, or it's, you've lived with it for how many years and you continue to live with it. But yeah, that's that that's that's why the card option is there, but they have pluses and minuses and that's what council has to decide on. But I think there is an option too that that you start if if the decision is to start with manual, there's nothing that says that at some point in time, whether it's January 1st of next year on a new budget cycle, that you then switch over to the automated, uh, that that's not an issue. Right? You'd, ha you'd have to, I mean, you, you have their proposal, you know the cost they were suggesting at the time, obviously you'd have to, you know, if you don't do it right now, you would ha you'd have to negotiate with them, but you have you have your starting spot. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and, and I think somewhere we talked about that and, and in the discussions and in the feedback that came back from them, they indicated that, yeah, oh, they, yeah. Would, they would be open to that you at any time. But Just so, so, as I read some of those options, there's compared to where we were at the former contract, there, there are that would be a considerable increase. Um, the, the fees to, to do that service, we, we would have to. It would be all of fifteen dollars or more. I, again, I'm not sure the methodology used to determine the number, but if you look at the raw number from the current proponent to do that service, the automated, the bins, it would certainly be a, 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 a big number. You're in the Three hundred and forty-five thousand dollars range is the number I'm looking at. Just the for, other for which option? I'm sorry. The 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 Auto automated with the recycling and the, the bin automated and with the bin supplied. The 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 bin supplied for garbage, but still using a blue bag for recycling, yeah. uh, is only two is two seventy-two. Okay, you're down on that one. Okay. The the yeah uh, yeah the, I, w I was up at the Cadillac one, which is the three forty-five one. Yeah, and that, that that is including the uh, the automated the the blue cans that they're clearly not recommending, but they provided that option because we'd asked for it. I think the other thing, just on the recycle uh, bag component, the other question that I asked uh, the vendor when he was here was, so what happens with the uh, the sixty inch uh, TV box that showed up on Christmas Day? What do you do with this at the curb and? His response was, "All that cardboard can just be flattened, uh, and they, they they even suggest not cutting it up. They just simply said flattened, and then put on the sidewalk and put your blue bags on top of it, and they'll pick it up." So one of the flyers they provided actually showed pictures of that, and, and so they in their advertising they show that yeah, you lay the cardboard down and put your blue bag on top. Yeah. So just so that people, you know, and, and that's certainly an educational point, but people may read this and think, "Oh, just I, I've now got to destroy my." my cardboard box to go into a bag. Well, no, that's not the case. So it, that's part of that public education in terms of delivery of the service. So do we take these numbers and divide them by 2096 and say, well, that's what people would pay a month then? Is that what we do? What do we do to do it? No, so, so in our budget this year, we had budgeted revenue, uh, which is the, the monthly fees, 
of three, $354,516. So that's what we would have taken as, as our monthly user revenue. There's also another number of 41000 I'm sorry? Yeah, yeah. From our monthly fees, sorry, but annual. Like oh, okay. We can't, we can't no, no, we're not. We're not doing that good. Three hundred fifty-four thousand five hundred and sixteen is our annual revenue from from the monthly household fees. There's also forty-one thousand nine hundred thirty-three. That's uh, the money that we initially pay for our spring and fall collection, but then we get back from the landfill. So that brings the revenue, well, close to zeros. So our total revenue is 396449 And then on the expense side, uh, we have our contracted services. So what we would pay this contractor, we had budgeted at 234605 We our, our disposal fees at the landfill are 48000 and then we have community cleanup initiatives, which is the spring fall cleanup, is fifty thousand four hundred. So it's not quite a net to what we receive in revenue. So our net, uh, our, our total expenses then were three hundred thirty-three thousand five forty-five, and our net uh, that's going to general revenue at this point is sixty-two thousand nine hundred four is how we budgeted. So, so to answer your question, if you're lowering the, uh, if you lower the fifth, the fifteen down, you need to find that sixty thousand somewhere else for the rest of your budget. And the fifteen really then has nothing to do with whichever one of these things we pick. As long as you didn't go up. As long as you don't choose one higher than the, the so at the very top line of my report the 230155 is what you've budgeted and, and very close to what you will pay the the current contractor if he was doing the full year so as long as you don't choose an option higher than that you won't have to increase you'll have enough money in your current budget to do the option if you choose an option higher than that number well now you got to find the money and that's either increasing the fees or finding it somewhere else Part of the issue, though, is if you're saying that we're, we're charging you $15 a month to take care of your garbage and you're skimming a whole bunch of money off the top, that's illegal, whether you're a town or whether you're a... <laughs> I, don't, I don't necessarily see it that way, Your Worship. I mean, if we're looking at... If we're running a town on cost recovery, then we've got a whole bunch of programs we need to cut. But... but we, we, we talked about levies, and you t we talked about levies in terms of the arena. You can't, char you can't assign a levy and then take monies out of those levies and put them to general revenues. And this is, this, is, this is the issue. This is where we made changes in 2012 or, whether, or something like that. We were charging every business in the town of Peace River $9 a month for garbage. But we never picked up their garbage. We had nothing to do with their garbage. So, and we got a legal opinion on that, and they said, "No, that's illegal. You can't. You, you can't be charging people for a service that you don't provide them." Provide for. 
So that means we have to take the 60000 out of general revenue and apply it to garbage collection. So uh, that would bump our uh, available costs up to 290000 So we could go to automated curbside garbage, manual glue bag recycling at uh, 272000 and still be in budget. We could, but then we'd have to find 60000 from somewhere else. You just said we have to take it out of there because we well, can't do that. So well, we, having said that, for this nine dollars that we charged people for garbage pickup, we uh, we did that for ten, twenty years and never picked up their garbage. So eight months probably will not will not be a problem, but it'll be a problem further on. Well, I, and that's what cost recovery is all about. I I was hoping we could deal with the tender tonight and yeah. pick the option and then the, yeah, the rate maybe we need to get some more information I think, Trent, I think we should I think wait Trent raised another issue is if we still have an, an open survey going on on our we website do, we, that's good for another Friday. week we can't what, what I what I meant by tonight was in the next when the survey monkey is completed this is what I meant well well just uh, just to be clear on that too, the, the parameters on the survey do not prevent somebody from sitting there clicking. Exactly. So, so somebody, you know, theoretically, right, all of those votes could have been registered by one person. So it's it's an indication of what's maybe happening out there, but it certainly is not a scientific result. Yeah. So uh, that's why they call it survey monkey. Yeah. <laughs> Are they all like that? Yeah, they're all like that. Not, well, not. I think there's parameters you can you can set up, but in in this instance, this is the way this one is. So you just you know you need to understand that, right? It's giving us some feedback, but it's not necessarily. I still think it's the perception. If we're running a survey and then we come out tomorrow in the press and say we've made a decision, it doesn't look good. I'll, I'll test up. I did it twice because I want to see whether people could do that to find out. And usually, usually you get rejected, but that one it didn't. So. So you could actually you could actually fill out that survey even though uh, you you don't live in town. Well, any online survey you can yeah. fill in from anywhere, regardless, um, unless you set it up to say only town residents. But you still can't fill fill them out on the IP address issue. As part of the process, when you analyze the data, you go through and read all the IP addresses, and you can read each IP address's answers. It's part of a way to filter out if you have repeats. The reason why you would leave it open for a public response, you have a lot of public access uh, internet sites like the library, and if you say only one response from one IP address, you'll never get any response from anyone who doesn't have a home email or a home access to internet. So you go through the IP addresses, you analyze the data to see if you're getting repeats that are the same answer from that IP address, you dump that data, and then you're going to get a more valid response. So it is very typical to have all your IP addresses available. If you want to narrow it down, you're also narrowing your <coughs> access to the data. But so are you actually going to do that? Though? Yeah, I, I had to do it with the, the transit. We went and checked and made sure they were valid IP addresses and valid responses. Yeah, we have not as many as we hoped. It was supposed to be. Yes, still getting them. Yeah, and I go through it again today and see what's going on. 
And but I think if you look around, I mean, everyone I've talked to wants recycling. You know, they don't care about what it is, but they want recycling. And, uh, well, and then there's a few people that are complaining about it on Facebook, but they're mostly concerned about this. They're, they've made the assumption it's going to cost more, and that seems to be the biggest opposition. The only negative I've seen or heard from anyone is is if someone has too much garbage, they're going to go find a dumpster, and that happens now anyhow. So, and, and I don't. So what's going to make them start reading between now and next Monday? Oh, really? Yeah. So why do you think people are all of a sudden going to get educated in the last five days? There, there might be some coverage of tonight's meeting, and that could few, spur a few so more. So what about but the education co uh, component that these guys need to do once, once we come up with a decision? You said they needed, what, six weeks, sort of? For the cart system. That's if you go with the cart system for them to come up with the carts and get them here and give them out to everybody. So the question is, would you go? For, would you vote for the carts? Well, I'm still confused on the $15, whether we need to pay attention to that. Um, personally, I'd vote for the cart if the $15 was a non-issue. Well, just... Well, I, I think the best way, if you don't want to raise raise that fifteen dollars, I, I think you just go for a, a, an item that costs less than two hundred and thirty-five thousand. Yes, I agree with the mayor. I think the waste pickup should be kind of budgeted and run on a break-even basis. I don't think we should be using that to raise money. If the town needs to raise money for other stuff. We need to deal with the taxes and, you know, the, the sewer and water, waste management, all those stuff in the utility bill, that should be run on a, more or less on a break-even. Yeah. But um, so, well, we could take a straw poll and, and the press could say, well, well, there's a leaning towards this end. You better go in and vote if you don't like the, uh, <laughs> the way the politicians are, are leaning. So is there a... Oh, we could we could leave well, this till Monday, but with a curbside pickup, if we do a curbside pickup, takes six six weeks of education minimum, so that'll be uh, April the fourteenth. We decide, right? That gives them enough time. So that gives them six weeks exactly. Yeah, and and if I mean some of that stuff is out of their control, right? And if, so if they're running late, they would just pick. They would just pick up manual till they got them, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. They're not going to leave the town without garbage pickup. Yeah. Again, Your Worship, I, I was a big supporter of the the curbside, the automatic system, but I have been to Grimshaw. Uh, I've been there three days after garbage day. Uh, those bins are laying along. Um, I'll, I'll call it elevator road because I don't know my streets in Grimshaw. But um, as you drive in off the old highway, if you'll drive along there, and there was bins at least three of them, uh, three days after garbage day. They're very heavy. Uh, they've tipped over on the curb. People have chosen not to take them back. As I understand this property, it's going to have to be, this project, it's going to have to be front street pickup. And I look at the geography of this community, and I can see there's going to be some serious problems for homeowners to carry those bins to, to the front. And the I... The the uh, eleven thousand dollar mob on on those options that have the carts is is not a cost to cover the buying the carts. That's a cost for their staff during the implementation 
uh, months. That's what that fee is there, there to cover. And, you know, in general, it will be front side pickup, but they really will have, there will be some areas that will, they'll have to work with the homeowner to find that right spot or good spot. Right. Uh, so, so then the good spot disappears when we get six inches of snow and oh, all yeah. that yep. mechanics. So I, I, that's where, with all that in mind, I, I went from um, the one-armed bandit, as I call it, back to the manual. And I, I, I think as far as transitioning people in terms of, you know, we're talking education program and trying to get people ready to do the recycling. If, if Maybe if we do too much, it'll be too much at once. So um, I like the idea of status quo. I like the idea of uh, beginning to introduce some recycling. And uh, and we don't have to raise any money. As a matter of fact, uh, we might have to uh, reduce our utility rates. So, so are, I, you, are you the manual make, pick up with four bag limit and then next year introduce recycling? Or are you... No. Bottom, no. Are you... Uh, I, I thought there was an uh, I thought there was a manual with recycling option. Yeah. It's not on this chart. Second page. It's, two, it's the bolded one 000. on the second page. Yeah, two hundred twenty-one thousand. Another page. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that's the two twenty, which yeah. just falls into our budget. Right. right, falls into our budget. Introduces the recycling to our community. Those sixty-inch TV boxes will get picked up. You don't have to cut them up. You're still going to get your garbage picked up. Yes, there'll be a few ravens around, but well, hopefully but if we can encourage people to use their garbage containers. Uh, uh, if they're not in the container, they shouldn't be picking them up. That's, that's right. That's yeah. my understanding. Maybe an issue, but maybe that's the best way to to teach people rather than have Graham go out there and take it. Well, if... if, if, so if why don't you mention what your preference is, Rod? I've always gone for that 221,000 one. Okay. To me, this makes most sense. Okay, Orrin. Um, I'm with Deputy Amy Manzer on the 272 with the uh, automated curbside with the blue bag recycling. Holy cow. 272. <laughs> Whatever that second option was. Well, the nice, the nice thing about it is it actually supplies the bin to those people who actually don't have them right now that put their bags out on the street and the Ravens get into them anyway. Okay, but having said that, that's where Mr. Bunn's comment about you could start at a lower level and then bump up, although I, they're kind of basing the bins probably on a, on a five-year contract, though, right? Yes, so, but you could look at doing a one-year extension if you did it next year. He said the bins would be good for ten years on average. <laughs> no, but his the, but the, with supplying them, there's a cost to supply them, and they're upfronting that, and they have to make that back over time. Well, you've got a whole bunch of teenagers in your house. You can get them to cart that bin to the curb every day. So, Terry, where are you at? I'm with the manual garbage pickup and weekly blue bag. So the 221. I was with the automated and blue bag, but I think I've actually switched my opinion to the manual with the blue bag. That would be the way I'm leaning right now. And Deputy Mayor Manzer wants the 272 option. Sure, I think it means that we're moving ahead in the world. Okay, okay well, we'll... Uh, I guess you could communicate that to Evergreen. What, what, 
pending, I guess, the survey. There seems to be a leaning towards the 221 option. Yeah, but I think I'll leave getting, I'll just thank them for coming, but tell them that there will be a decision next Monday. You know, unless you're going to cast the vote, which it doesn't sound like, and I agree with. So I'll just get back to them, thank them for coming, and I'll tell them the way it's leaning, but until then we don't really know. Yeah, but that's their recommended option anyhow. Okay, so we'll postpone the vote until next. Do you need a, would you like a motion to table it? Yeah, we probably should formally table it. I can put a motion on the floor, Your Worship, to table the discussion about residential waste pickup tender to April the 13th. Do we actually, yeah, okay. You won't need me to attend that night. That's what I was going to ask. Is there really any, is it necessary for Trent to answer more questions? Unless something else brings me back another topic, but on this one. Okay, all in. All in favor of Councillor Nino's motion? Thanks, Trent, for your work on this. I think you've done a good job on it. Okay, so physician recruitment was deleted. So that takes us to new business. Do people want a break? Or shall we motor ahead? Tanya wants us to motor ahead. New business, establishment of local improvements reserve. Quickly, what it is is just a change in the accounting standards of how we recognize the local improvement revenues. So the recommendation is put forward that we really just approve the establishment of the local improvement reserve and put us in compliance with generally accepted accounting standard. So maybe I'll ask for a motion on this. Deputy Mayor Manzer? I so move that we establish that. To adopt the recommendation for administration. Any discussion? Anyone want to weigh in? Hearing no discussion, I'll call for a vote on it. All in favor? Passed. Peace Regional Pool Air Handling Unit. a place you can spend $60,000 if you need to. No, no. Um, this evening, Your Worship and Council, I'm providing you with a report in regards to the Peace Regional Pool Air Handling Unit project. We have recently tendered the project on March 11 with closing date of March 30th, and we received two tender submissions one in the amount of $1,082,260 and AGS Mechanicals in the amount of $1,035,675, both not including GST. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, this brings our tenders in over our budgeted amount of $855,000 was the engineered estimated construction cost. Therefore, we are short for the construction of the project or that component of the project by $180,675. 
Um, there is a mitigating factor of timeline. This is an extremely short timeline for us. We need to get the project moving or we end up um, either delaying the project and the tie-in, which we, we have our tie-in during the September shutdown. So you'd either push that shutdown longer, which then impacts your operations, or your other option to look at if we do delay for much longer is having to put the project on hold for an additional full cycle. Could um, you, excuse me, could you yes. move your shutdown from September to October? At this point, it would be very difficult to do that. We're lining everything up. Schools do all their, start our programming yeah. in October. Everything starts. Okay. Yeah. Um, other contractors, for example, for tiling, that type of thing. We're already lining them all up. Um, bringing myself back here. Our, our 2015 budget, uh, we were um, very pleased to see that we received the $350,000 from Alberta Community Partnership Program. We received word of that just late last week. It was perfect timing for this report. Um, and we had 145,000 um, with joint capital funds between the Town of Peace River and Northern Sunrise County. Therefore, what we're looking for is an option presenting to Council of going back to the County of Northern Lights for approximately 20,000. They've already contributed 200. Um, and going back to Northern Sunrise County for a total ask from the joint capital funds of 450,000. Um, 225 per municipality. So therefore asking um, County of Northern Lights 220, it's sort of a third, third, third. Um, administration is recommending uh, that council proceed with the pool prot air handling unit project and to award the contract of the air handling unit to AGS Mechanical Contractors Limited in the amount of 1,035,675 uh, not including GST. And in addition, that council direct administration to approach the County of Northern Lights for, as noted, the additional 20000 and also the 450000 total request from the joint capital. Barring a lack of successful response from either party, um, at that point we would come back to council with further funding options. Um, but the critical piece is moving ahead on the project regardless. She's further funding options. If you have further options. Of money. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, we have a few more. They're just not really okay. wonderful options for you. Okay. How much uh, do we have in the joint fund if we draw yeah. another whatever hundred and some out of it? What's that going to impact? We're projecting at the end of the year. To have one million one hundred ninety-six thousand, one hundred ninety-seven thousand, I guess, at, at year end. Total or double Could, that? No, that's our portion. Yeah. So one million. Can you say again, please? One million one hundred ninety-six thousand eight hundred eighty-two is the town's portion. Yeah. Thank you. So there's two point two in the. In the mm -hmm. Yeah. It's two two point three. What's the increase we're asking to come out of that? Um, Actually, just under two. A as total of four hundred fifty. As opposed to what uh, are we think? It was two ninety, so it's a one sixty increase, one hundred sixty thousand increase. 
Well, you've, you've got a plan B, you're saying. We have a plan B. It's not, it's, they aren't great plan Bs because your reserves are not yeah. flush. Yeah. And, and is there a plan B, plan C? Do you do as much as you can and then you mothball it? No, we couldn't. I, once you signed a contract, away we go. I know. Let's put so this in. Retender is under question. Pardon me? Retender is under question. If we retendered, then we'd mothball it for a year. You'd have to redo the process for a year. So, Mr. Mayor, um, first of all, I'm in favor of getting this thing over with in September. It's almost like we've already delayed a year, and some of the councillors from Northern Lights have commented that way. <laughs> Um, my question, though, has to do with the two uh, contractors. Does the one that we're thinking we might offer the, the contract to, do they were they weighted as to they are capable of getting this done within yes. this time period? They've got the resources and yes. so forth? Yes, both okay. are, have met all requirements. That's not going to be an issue. I just have one question. Was there a, is there a maintenance component on this? Are they bound to... No, we'll, we'll have to look at maintenance afterwards. Usually there's a minimum of one-year warranty on parts, labor issues, and whatnot. And then we'll have to get into a, an actual service RFP contract for service agreement. Yeah. So <clears throat> you're talking about timelines. Where's your line in the sand here? Next week. Well, I guess that's my question, is we're dealing now with us and two other municipalities that have to make a decision on this. Well, and that's why we're suggesting in our first motion that we proceed. Because we, if we wait for the other municipalities, yay or nay, then we have to push it off for a year. Um, the engineer is suggesting we're fine until Monday. By the end of the month, we'd be pushing our luck. It's the re, um, construction, the manufacturing of the components of the unit that have to be sent in immediately. So and that's the time frame that we're really stuck with. So perhaps we need to discuss plan B if that's going to bridge us until we find out if plan A works. Is yeah. that what you're suggesting? Is we're Cuz I I mean, I don't know how we commit to it if we don't if have we, the If we make a commitment it. and we don't have that extra 200,000 or whatever it was that we're going to be short between the yeah. two asks, then yeah. we as a council have to come up with that, right? Right. And some of the other your plan B, plan C options would be looking at some of the capital projects and putting them on hold and reallocating some of those funds to this. And, and that's not a And you do have option. you do have uh, $180,000 in your rec reserve. Yeah. So that's another option. Yeah. Well, Deputy Mayor Manzer, you, uh, you don't like hearing from your friend Ari on the pool, so maybe, <laughs> you, sh maybe you should put a... And our friend Veronica, who's swimming on the other lane there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll put a motion forward that Council approve... Um, the proceeding with the Peace Regional Air Handling Unit Project and to award the contract for the construction of the Peace Regional Pool Air Handling Unit Project to AGS Mechanical Contractors Limited in the amount of $1,035,675 without GST. Should the next part be a separate motion or within? Mm -hmm. I'll stop there. So uh, we should have discussion. So I've got a feeling Councillor Benke 
would like a little more uh, a little more uh, meat to her in answer to her question. Am I correct? Well, I guess I, what I want to make sure is is uh, I think we need to know the details of Plan B and or C if Plan A is not necessarily going to come through. Like, what what exactly are we jeopardizing here if Plan A doesn't pan out? Not that I'm thinking we really have a choice at this point, yeah. but I would like to know what's at stake here so we can figure out how we sure. manage this. Well, and as Kelly had, or Mr. Bunn noted, um, your recreation reserve is, a, is approximately 180000 um, There was a small reserve amount uh, allocated of 36000 to the arena. That can reallocate. We will be using the regional collaboration funds for the engineering component at the arena, so we won't be dipping in necessarily into those 36000 reserve funds. We also have gas tax allotment, and I was hoping to hear this week whether or not our, what's happening with our green trip application because we have not heard hide nor hair and I've put in inquiries and have not had any response yet. Um, so there's some gas tax funding that was allocated as our portion to offset the requirement for the green trip funding. If we didn't get the green trip funding, then you might have some gas tax available to us and that was approximately 140000 so we can piece together a couple of, but those balls are still near also because I don't have the exact of what's happening with Green Trip yet. And then we so could ask AGS to defer some of the payments? Well, payment wouldn't be due until late fall, so October, until project is complete, your final payments, right? So, Mr. Bunn, I, I don't know if we can get into details here, but we did have another um, suggestion in terms of an investment into some of our uh, capital projects. Is yeah. that a possibility here? Or? Uh, yeah, I, I think it is. I think that's definitely an option. <coughs> and there's also uh, the other one that uh, that uh, Tanya hadn't noted was the MSI. There is there is about two hundred eighty thousand, I think, in MSI. So, but. <laughs> Barring that conversation, I'm looking at something further down the agenda that's saying that that may not be the case anymore. Yeah. <coughs> uh, no, I, we're working on those numbers. We'll have them back to you next meeting on an overall budget impact basis. Um, and, uh, and I'm reluctant at this point because we're very preliminary, but it looks like with our the assessment numbers that have come in, it's not going to impact us as much as we thought. Again, though I, I'm... Well, no, but we're also looking at some other revenue hits, unexpected revenue hits at some of our yeah. other facilities, too, that I think we yeah. have to assume yeah. we've and got a problem. I, I, I think, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is right now, overall, we're not, we're not too bad, but I need those numbers confirmed. That's what I'm reluctant to say. Okay. We, they, we put them out there, we're checking, and I want them double-checked before I come so back. So would our other avenue, uh, the investment component, could should that be our plan A and this should be our plan B mm. or no? Well, y you're speaking of the email, correct? Yeah. And the way I understood what they were saying is they wanted yeah. tied to the facility, did they not? Wasn't that the, the kind of that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and... If they were adjacent in the original plan, that might work. But oh, sorry. No. Our, oh, 
Just a point of clarification, Your Worship. There's a discussion going on at this table that a bunch of us have no clue what this is about, and it's not really fair to the rest of us. So either put the information on the table or let's end this because this is not particularly helpful for me. So we either have to go on camera or... Okay, well, well I, I there's a point of order, well, Your Worship. We, we can't be discussing yeah. stuff here that some people know something about and the rest of us don't. That's a good point, and actually, all that is speculation, anyhow. So, I just I well, I've got the floor, Your Worship. So, six months ago, a year ago, we wrote Northern Sunrise a letter, as we did with everybody else. What was their commitment at the time? That they would um, provide funding through the joint capital. So, what's the big deal? So, this is their this is yeah. their this is their request. So, they've already yeah. said they're going to do this through joint capital. That's correct. Which is so what's it on here. Shouldn't be. So, this shouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. A year ago, they said they were going to do this. Correct. So just change the number from 450 to. Yep. Yeah. To 490. 450. Yeah. From 250 or to 450 yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they made a commitment. They yeah. So and there is a plan B, and it sounds like people have want to talk about plan C and D, but there is a plan <laughs> B. And so many of those we have. have a, yeah, we have a motion air. on the on the floor, and uh, uh, is there any further discussion people want on that? If not, I'll call f for a vote on Deputy Mayor Manzer's motion, which was to uh, award the contract for the pool handling unit, air handling unit, to AGS. I better get this right. <laughs> I, I know it's in in the motion, but it's AGS Mechanical. So all in favor of Deputy Mayor Manzer's motion? Okay, passed. Okay, so uh, that takes us to uh, Apega. Uh, I, I have one other motion? question. Oh, it sounds Do we like need the second part of the okay. motion? Yeah. If, if Your Worship, I'd be willing to put a motion on the floor to direct the administration to approach County of Northern Lights for an additional contribution of 20000 to the air handling unit project. And do request the use of at a total of four hundred fifty thousand from the joint capital funds with Northern Sunrise County. Okay. Uh, do you and want to ask your question now? Well, no, I have a question, but I, I'd like to make a point in this. I, I do we should council go and make part of that presentation? Like, sure. the, or, or are you going to go and give them the song and dance? Because I'm sure they're going to want to know. I was going to send them a letter. <laughs> I think, I think somebody should go. Personally, I mean, Northern Sunrise County, they met today, so they won't meet for two weeks. So we should have, have an opportunity to get on the agenda. Mm -hmm. And if no one else is willing to go, I would go up there and at least go up there. And So you're going to have to go to the County of Northern Lights, too, then? Well, if I have to, I'll, I'll go up there, too. Okay. If we can get on those agendas, but I... Okay. So... Uh, any discussion regarding... Well, well I, I, again, Your Worship, I, I certainly supportive of the motion, but as far as I, I read this, this is this is just confirmation of a number that the county agreed to some time ago, and we've now agreed to a number. So I, I, I don't want to make this sound like it's going to be a simple discussion, but I'm trying to be trying to be optimistic that this is just confirmation of something we've already agreed to. But I have no problem going with Councillor Burr up the hill. If he wants company, I'd certainly go to a meeting. I think uh -huh. it's a slightly different situation with County of Northern Lights, though, because they committed 200000 mm -hmm. So the extra two twenty thousand 
probably not in their budget. Well, yeah. and I, before this motion was going to be on the table, I, my friendly amendment would be to change the number to 470. And on the County of Northern Lights, I'd just exclude them. But I'm, I, I can live with this. But uh, my, my plan B on this would be to change the number to 470 um, in light of what Councillor Sawchuk said. And I, I suspect that's the answer we were going to get back from them. So uh, do you want, want that as a friendly amendment, 470 as opposed to 450? And, and I agree with the concept, but I still think we should hit up Northern Lights to see if they're willing to, to buck up. I mean, you know, it's, it's important resource. Their residents use the pool as well. I think mm -hmm. there's strong interest around their, their council table to have the pool operate. Uh, so. I think Councillor Benke said it uh, aptly. She said, now you're dealing with two municipalities as opposed to one. It just makes life twice as complicated, if not three times as complicated. But Friendly amendment accepted. So you want to do 470? 470 and exclude the 20,000. Uh, and the County of Northern Lights. Uh, that doesn't mean that we can't ask them. But, but that way you, you guarantee or you secure the 470. Yeah. So the motion no longer has Northern, County Northern Lights in it? No, my motion would read to uh, direct administration to approach the County of Northern Lights, or pardon me, the uh, Northern Sunrise County for the amount of 470 in total from the Joint Capital Fund. Okay. So... All in favor of Arn Ford's motion? Thank you. Does anyone want to make a motion to approach the County of Northern Lights for 20000 You don't have to. Well, I, in the uh, spirit of going on bended knee to our neighbors on a regular basis, I would put a motion on the floor that uh, we approach the County of Northern Lights for an additional uh, contribution that would be a 10% uh, I believe the number was 200,000 so we're asking for a, a further 10% increase so my motion would be that administration write the county of northern lights a, a letter and request an additional $20,000 and I'm sure uh, my political colleagues colleagues and myself will lobby individual councillor members as well so uh, my motion would be to, to write a friendly letter okay you, uh, do you have that motion so the motion reads. <coughs> the motion reads: uh, Councilor Needham moved to approach County of Northern Lights for additional twenty thousand um, dollars towards the uh, Peace Regional Pool Air Handling Unit project. Okay. All in favor? Somebody want to ask uh, India Peace for a couple of thousand? Okay. So I, before Tanya leaves, I have a question. Uh, I'm not sure whether Kelly can answer it or whether Tanya does. I'm curious to know, like this is about the third contract where we've only had local contractors where the prices have been over. Uh, I initially thought we haven't had any where they've come in and injured. So I'd, I'd like to see, you know, the breakdown of, you know, and I know in the government we have the engineer's estimate and then they rank all the contractors. I would like to see those numbers just to see where the differences are. Is it in the big ticket items that they're ordering from Toronto or wherever they're getting stuff from or is it on the local labor costs or where, where are the differences? That's fairly, like normally you do that analysis anyhow, don't you? So 
Well, and, and this is about the only one that I've done recently. Um, the last one would have been rec center roof contract. And I honestly don't recall if it was different than the um, the estimate that we were provided in terms of the budget. Well, I, I, I'm thinking the ones that come to council. <laughs> yeah. So the way the, yeah, the spring and fall cleanups, one. it was thought that yeah. both those were higher than yeah. what the, what we had been paying. There was yeah. no estimate on that. So yeah. it just, again, I'm not sure if this yeah. is something in the way we're putting stuff out there or is it, you know, the fact that contractors aren't, like I'm assuming that some of these should have been coming under. Like mm -hmm. they've heard other companies, like some of the big old companies, they're, you know, not proceeding with stuff and they're retendering stuff and yeah. in, the, in the anticipation they're going to get better prices. Well, and I think you have to be careful because I've had other municipalities comment that a lot of their contracts are coming in or their tenders, but they're tendering for road construction, brush maintenance, very different types of contracting or construction yeah. than we are. And with oil and gas having slowed down, those particular industries are very available. <laughs> Um, so therefore, your numbers are going to be better. This type of industry is still very active. Schools are still being constructed, that, and we're hospitals. hearing, yeah, hospitals, um, and we're hearing with the provincial government proceeding with those types of very high-level projects, the pricing on air handling units, building construction is not coming down. So that's a general thought. Kelly might have a lot more to add than that. Well, I guess a couple of things. We we have had a couple of contracts, the CN Bridge and Pat's Creek, that have both come in substantially under budget. Yeah. And the other part of it is it depends on what, because our estimates are based on what our engineers are telling yeah. us as an yeah. estimate. So, um, you know, a certain amount is that where, where they're getting their data in order to give us that estimate may not be accurate in some instances. So, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I, I think if, if we looked over the past, Eight ten months, we're probably it's on there. We're probably fifty fifty, but but some of our bigger projects have been under budget. Well, you definitely want the engineers' estimate speed as accurate as you get. Like, there's nothing worse that the engineers inflate everything by fifty percent, so it's always under, and then then you really don't know what you got. Yeah, you might exactly. as well have the engineers' yeah. estimates. So. Yeah. yeah, it's not great when they're over either. <laughs> but it would be nice, you know, when we go to meet those municipalities, if I had those numbers, mm -hmm. if they if they wanted to know exactly what the difference was. But yeah, because from both municipalities, I received the comments. Well, ours are coming under on everything so so should yours but yeah. and that's not necessarily no, I think case. your comment is right on so yeah AGS mechanical are the same people that will and in fact I think they are building EMS dispatch center they'll yeah. be the people that will be looking to put in the 120 uh, unit seniors complex there will be the people looking to put it put up the medical care clinic yeah. uh, and those aren't uh, yeah you know just get a bunch of farm boys with strong backs to put those yeah. things together. So. And my engineer was aware of the local contractors, so um, and anticipated responses from them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Thank you. Uh, Pega is uh, requesting a waiver of fees to uh, set up a chapter here in the town of Peace River. They're looking to use the Athabasca Hall for. Uh, uh, what is it? Three, uh, two hours a month, or two hours a week for six weeks, or basically it was thirty-six. It was thirty-six dollars a month for what? Six months. Okay. 
Did, did they give any kind of reason for that or justification on why they think they need that break in the... I mean, I, I just don't get it. What, what was their reasoning? Or what? For asking for a waiver. I mean, it's a pega. They can't afford 36 bucks a month. I missed the meeting when they talked about it. I think this is a group of local engineers who are trying to establish a Peace River branch under different than the current Peace River branch, which includes Grand, Grand Prairie. So they, they don't have the support of the association at this point. Um, and my experience with dealing with PIGA, when they've met locally, they always try to get space for free. So they're meeting in some, some engineering office or, you know, they've had a number of meetings in, in, in government offices, you know, and then when they have their other dinner meetings, then, then there's a, a fee for it. So, but, uh, well, see, right now I'm not in favor of it. I'm not either. <laughs> there's meeting rooms at the uh, library that you can get for $10 a night. Yeah. Uh, and they probably don't know that. I, I don't know the two fellows are trying to do it, so but I, I think that's what we should do is, you know, I'll put it on and make a motion that we uh, decline this and suggest they might want to look at the library because that would be a, a lower cost option if, if they have to uh, if they have to rent. Okay, uh, you uh, put the motion on the table. Okay, so I make a motion that we uh, decline the request for waiving of the fees at Athabasca Hall. Uh, okay. Anything else to that? Okay. So, uh, all in favor? Opposed? Okay. You seem like you want to attend those meetings, Your Worship. Um, I, I'm not registered. Um, next is a. Uh, I don't. I didn't understand the request for decision. So, so we got a speed speed. A photo radar complaint. Okay, so that's a pretty straight up and down uh, item. Uh, they uh, somebody hasn't been attending the library board, and they want to revoke that uh, that individual's position or status on their board. So uh, uh, perhaps a motion to accept the recommendation from. The library board. I put a motion on the floor that we accept uh, administration's recommendation. Council uh, accept the municipal library board and rescind the appointment of Elizabeth Belitech from the library board. All in favor. So now we at, we're at the uh, the um, speed speed zone complaint uh, radar. So an individual gets a photo radar violation coming off Highway 2 onto, uh, onto the 684 Connector Road. Uh, I trust where everybody knows where that is. Um, and uh, I, I understand that uh, the town did contact May Stewart of the Alberta Transportation, and she, she indicated that 50 kilometers per hour is the proper speed limit for that for that uh, connector road, and um, so I didn't quite understand why the writer recommends council refer the matter to Alberta Transportation. But 
I it think, sounds like we did. I think it's a, a bit of a misconception as well. I spoke to somebody else on the weekend who had got some tickets on, I think, Shaftesbury Trail maybe, and they're saying, how come we're setting up our radar on provincial highways? And I said, well, it's within minutes, sorry, isn't White Court's main trap right on the highway? I mean, standard process, right? So I think people just don't understand that the Town of Peace River has the ability to ticket on transportation's roads, and they think that that should be transportation sitting there catching them instead of us? Well, if, uh, for safety to work, you need consistent uh, consistent enforcement. So uh, it doesn't make sense to uh, to say that we are trying to reduce speeds in the town of Peace River, and then we have zones where... No, I, I agree with you 100%. I'm just saying that I think there's some misconception amongst the public, so, that's all. Uh, so I... Um, I don't think there's any need to refer this matter to Alberta Transportation. So the uh, it's already been done. Um, so perhaps a motion to accept for information. I say, Your Worship, having received this exact same ticket, I would put this on uh, a motion for information. Okay. All in favor. So somebody has responded to him, like. Yes, uh, he has. He has been in contact with the office on a few occasions. He was. Um, he did want this to come before council, so we will advise him that it was brought before and that council received information. And but he he should be made aware if he wants to pursue with transportation, he's welcome to do that, yeah. right? He can write the minister, write talk to the local guys yeah. or whatever. So. Um. The next one is Adopt Parking Batch Reporting Program from Service Alberta. So um, uh, this obviously is a Mr. Smith item. Uh, he isn't here to speak to it. Um, he's written a briefing note on it. I don't think there's, well, I don't know if there's much discussion to be had on it. Uh, I can uh, provide you a motion if you... If you wish, Your Worship, uh, to direct uh, administration to enter into an agreement with Service Alberta for the provision of vehicle registered owner information to assist in parking enforcement. Okay. Discussion? Anybody have questions? The cost implication of this is? It says the current cost is in the range of twenty-five to 2800 bucks. That's annually? No, one time. One time? And we've budgeted that somewhere somehow? It's already in the bylaw budget. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Any other questions? Hearing none, all in favor of Councillor Newton's motion? Um, this next one I think is fairly straightforward. Um, Why well, it doesn't quite say it. I think there is an implication here that we lower our uh, our town flags to half mask on uh, the on the remembrance of the Battle of Vimy Ridge, which is April the 9th, which is coming up pretty quickly. So we better make a motion on this one. Who wants to make this motion? Councillor Sanjay. 
I move that we recommend the uh, administration to um, lower the flags to half-mast on April uh, 9th, 2015, to mark National Day of Remembrance of the Battle of Vimini Ridge. All in favor? Pass. We maybe also uh, put a note on uh, public media why we're doing this. We had some questions last year. Okay, um, so the um, the dis disability um, disability services is having a spring sensation celebration, but it is in Grand Prairie. They've invited people to attend. Um, I've, I if if is there a counselor who wishes to attend? Or has time to attend. Hearing hearing that isn't the case, perhaps a motion to uh, accept this for information. Councillor Banky. Yeah. All in favor? Um, invitation to attend and present at uh, town hall meeting. Um, this is the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, they want. They want a. Uh, they want to host a town hall meeting. Um, personally, I'm not in favor of it. Um, mostly because I think it's inappropriate that they're setting up, setting themselves up as as the gatekeepers to the council. And um, we have planned May the May the sixth and June the tenth. Although June the 10th sounds like it's a, we might need to move that date, but uh, we, we're planning on holding uh, neighborhood renewal meetings on those dates. So. But. I guess, Your Worship, uh, from my point of view, uh, if the Chamber were here this evening, uh, I would have asked them to clarify what the problem is that they see such a meeting would resolve, and it's, it's not clear to me. Um, everybody around this table worked damn hard to get elected. We were given a term to October of 2017. We're, we're not even at a midway point, and the chamber seems to suggest that we need to have a town hall meeting. Now, perhaps if I understood more of what their vision uh, and what the purpose of the meeting is, I would be more supportive, but certainly I'm not. Uh, I've spoke, I speak to business owners on a regular basis. I speak to regular uh, on a regular basis with a number of residents. Uh, they have no problem expressing uh, their issues to me personally, um, and I certainly haven't heard this topic raised in any of those discussions. Council members, we sit on over 20-some boards, and I don't think anybody at this table has had any report back from a, one of the boards that we sit on that says that this is a, a need that must happen. Um, if this is about communication, uh, we have counselors are certainly available to take phone calls. We've got regular public meetings. I don't see a lot of people in the gallery tonight. Uh, we have podcasts. We have staff avail availability to answer questions. Uh, I participate in the Chamber of Commerce meetings the best I can, and I know other councillors do. A website has got report a pothole, report a concern, report your public feedback. We've got a trade show coming up on April 10th and 11th, and we just published a newsletter. Um, so I look at the Chamber request, and I, it's, I don't really see how this is... Uh, is necessarily beneficial. 
lots of opportunities for people to participate uh, with council if they so choose. So I, I would suggest we decline the, op the opportunity. Uh, there are two, two uh, public events coming up. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe down the road we can uh, reconsider it. Your Worship, if I may. Um, although I don't disagree, we do have some public meetings set up. Um, I mean, we as a council have talked about having these types of events. So if we consider our May 6th and our June 10th uh, meetings as open houses, um, you know, then I would say that we're fulfilling that commitment. Um, but otherwise, I think we need to look at the possibility of hosting an open house, whether it's uh, moderated by the chamber or moderated by our, by our organization. Um, I still think we need to look at that. I tend to agree somewhat. Uh, again, our, our scheduled meetings on the 6th, I think, have a specific topic, right? So it's not really an open house as such. I suppose we could answer questions from the public at that if they are, arise, but... Am I wrong on that? I was under the impression. Well, I think that was the focus. But I, why wouldn't we broaden out? Like I tend. Well, to I, 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 all I'm saying, I think I tend to agree with uh, Councillor Benke that you know if we are having a public meeting, and we should be prepared to answer a number of questions other than just the neighborhood renewal. Well, we do it on a neighborhood basis, and uh, and uh, we can answer specific questions to that neighborhood. And we want to meet with the neighborhood, and uh, um, well, I, well, I, I don't disagree with again many of these comments. But again, let me come back to the format. I mean, if if this is, I don't know what the chamber has got in mind, but I will refer to Al Schrem's briefing note on the impacts of the provincial budget, which we haven't come to. Uh, our public education system has raised taxes by five percent, and. Northeast housing as well. So if we're going to have a public meeting to talk about, I presume this is taxation. I'm not sure. I'm guessing. Then why wouldn't we have everybody in the room? So well, in the in the end, in part of our strategic plan is to have some sort of community meetings. And I think as a council, we haven't quite had enough time to figure out how that would roll out. We've, talked, we've got our two neighborhood meetings set up for specific purposes, really. And um, maybe as in our, if we get to the policies and whatever governance uh, committee level, um, if we get to one of those meetings, maybe we can have this discussion and flesh out how we might go forward with uh, that sort of communication. Yeah, we could do that. Certainly, I'm not interested. In I tend to agree with uh, Deputy Mayor Manzer, but uh, I'd be willing to put a motion on the floor, Your Worship, to accept this as information. Okay. Okay. All in favor of? Well, that's that's okay. There's a little more in the information. We've got to respond to these guys. I I think if anything, we need to go back and try to get clarification. I I don't. I agree with what uh, Colin said. I you know I'm not sure what the what they're getting at, other than. Well, I won't say what I'm thinking, but anyhow, so I think we should go back to and get them to clarify what it is. Um, and uh, you know, Perhaps so inform them of what we've got on the books already. You know, we, we've made, we, uh, I wasn't at the meeting, but certainly the mayor and, and others have made presentations to the chamber 
on the arena and on the strategic plan. So I'm just, again, trying to understand what the vision of this thing is. And again, I, I think the timing is off. Uh, we were elected for a four-year term. We're not even at the midway point. I, I didn't say no to this. I just said no today uh, would be my response. Uh, there's lots of opportunities to talk to councillors. I'm not sure what the end game of this meeting is all about. Uh, I'm certainly willing to participate in a meeting. Uh, I think everybody at this table, we signed up for one political forum when we ran for election. If I recall, we ended up doing three. And I think that was largely because of the Chamber of Commerce. They, uh, we, we had one event scheduled, and when the Chamber got done, we were, we were doing, was it three or was it two? I've forgotten, but it was such a lovely time. <laughs> um, if I could, uh, Mr. Mayor, um, I think one of the recommendations, isn't it, for the MGA review, uh, something about um, communication, meeting with your residents, that sort of thing that we're going to have to come to terms with, by the end of 2016, if I remember correctly. So I think we've got an avenue there. I think we should inform the Chamber of Commerce that we already have two meetings, that uh, we are in the planning stages for others, and it has to be open at this point in time because we haven't had a chance to discuss specifics. So uh, I, I guess adding to that, Your Worship, you, we've got a provincial election that's going to chew up some time. Uh, we've got two summer months that... We're going to chew up some time. So, again, I, I'm, I'm saying no to – this, to me, is a half-baked idea. There's no substance to this request other than let's get a bunch of people together and do whatever it is we're going to do. I'm not sure. Uh, so if the <coughs> Chamber can describe this event a little more thoroughly and if we can mutually come to an agreement on some timing, I'm, I'm willing to participate, but not, not the way this is presented. But you don't see any value? Like, I tended to – to both the ones that Northern Sunrise County had, and I mean, well, whether that, you get that, any that's, that's, that's my point. I'm, I'm trying to make them valuable, and what I see now is something that isn't valuable. Yeah. No, so, I, no, I, so the the ones with Northern Sunrise County, Northern Sunrise County uh, set them up and established yeah. them, and they're no different than neighborhood <coughs> thing yeah. doing oh, neighborhood yeah, no, meetings. And so this, as far as I'm concerned, is inappropriate because the Chamber of Commerce is trying to set themselves up as the gatekeeper. To the town council, yeah. and um, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't. They're not the only. Uh, they're the o not the only interest group in town. So, so, and the end of May is, and and uh, they asked they asked for a, a meeting uh, for me to come and talk about budgetary items, our taxation. Uh, and I attended that meeting, and I presented to them how, how the taxation is going to work for this year. And uh, it wasn't very well attended. So uh, I think we've we satisfied that, but uh, we can go with if Councillor Orrin uh, Ford is willing to accept Councillor Deputy, Ma uh, Deputy Mayor Manzer's uh, suggestion as a friendly amendment. Uh, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'd be willing to accept that. So, what was your uh, motion? <laughs> if you could state it again, for that uh, we reply to the Chamber of Commerce, indicating that um, we have two neighborhood meetings set up at this point in time, uh, before the end of June, and uh, that. We are 
in discussions about future uh, community meetings. And in discussions about future community meetings. So, okay. Um, so, all in favor of the. Your Worship, could we just have that read back one more time? I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, all right. Could the, the, the intent of the motion doesn't have to be, uh, or a paraphrase anyway, to help me. Councillor Ford to move the letter as information and to reply to the Chamber of Commerce, indicating that we have two we meaning Town of Peace River Council has two meetings set up prior to the end of June and is currently in discussion for future community community meetings. Are you clarifying two community meetings set up prior to the end of the month of June? It wasn't mentioned in the motion, but I can. I could say two neighborhood. Okay. Community meetings? I can certainly clarify. I, I guess my point is is that I, I'm the uh, I, I think we need to be clear that I'm certainly willing to consider a date into the future, but it's got to be on a mutually agreeable time and date. And as long as that motion captures that the idea that it's uh, we will meet with them at a mutually agreeable time and date, but it needs to be into the future when it works for both of us. Uh, that's that's all I'm driving at. But I think part of their issue is they want to have some discussion prior to the well before the tax notices come out, right? Isn't that what they're getting? Uh, well, and it, well, if that's the case, it should be after the tax notices come out, not before. Well, they're saying the end of May, and then well, I guess the notices. Well, I gave them that that talk. They wanted it, and I gave yeah. it to them. It's really not clear what they're asking for, other than, that, you know, they've almost like they want us to get up there so well, they can throw eggs. <laughs> Sorry for jumping in, Councillor Burr. So th that's my point again. It seems to be this taxation word keeps coming up. And again, I will say that if, if that's the purpose of this meeting, then let's make sure that the school division is sitting at the table along with North Peace Housing. I mean, if we're talking taxation, okay. there are other people that requisition money and other agencies that that need to be accountable. Well, why should we be singled out? Um, right. So there's a motion on the table, and um, I'll call for a vote on that. So all in favor of the motion? Uh, that takes us to reports, uh, check registry reports. Um, Certainly, March 23rd and March 30th were kind of thin, but April 1, I could feel that in my hand. My hand was cramping after signing all those checks. Anyone have questions on this? Okay. Uh, if nobody has questions on this. Xylem, I'm assuming that's how you say that, 31,623. I don't recall seeing that name before. Uh, sorry, 75539. That would be on uh, March 30th. X-Y-L-E-M.
Um, the Seniors Club of $1,430, is this our annual uh, sort of grant to them or something else? It is number 75616 $1,430. Okay, because I was, I was thinking that uh, we were going to try and arrange a photo op for that check presentation, if it's that one. And I had one other question um, on the Peace River and District Health Foundation. I'm assuming that's what that is. There's a $2,000 charge. Um, do we know what made up the other 1000 Because we bought a table. Isn't that the $2,000 a month? Um, oh, that's what that is. Rental right. that we're helping for medical stuff. Okay. Yeah, no, that's what it would be, yeah. Okay. So, Mr. Mayor, okay. I would move that we accept the check registers of March 23rd, March 30th, and April 1st, 2015, for information. All in favor, Deputy Mayor Manzer's motion. That takes us to uh, Councillor's reports. So there were... Um, so there's been two weeks since the last regular council meeting, and the last regular council meeting actually uh, was preceded by the emergency management agency meeting, which primarily dealt with uh, spring breakup here in the town of Peace River, and that passed uneventfully. Uh, and then there was, an, uh, I understand, there was an, a meeting of the, the arena subcommittee uh, to talk about long-term strategy, uh, particularly with respect to f uh, f um, fundraising. Uh, and then there was a council meeting. Uh, on the Wednesday, uh, we ha had a special meeting of council to basically discuss the Town of Peace River's emergency response plan. I understood that that was actually going to... That was on... We were going to discuss that at, on the original version of the agenda, but I assume that Mr. Bushy took that off. The very first version that I saw, I think, uh, because we the idea was to adopt the uh, incident commands structure strategy, even though the details hadn't been filled out in some of the other sections. But I'm assuming that's going to come some other some other date. Yeah, I thought, um, didn't, I'm trying to remember exactly myself. Didn't we say June? Okay. Didn't we say that, uh, no, I'm trying to remember why it was June, but there was, oh, for the training. I believe we're having the training in May. Okay. And then we said we'd bring it back in June for ratification. Okay. Uh, and I understand there was a uh, budget day call-in hosted here at uh, the town of Peace River with the, uh, I take it, the Minister of Municipal Affairs. I didn't dial in. I'm not sure uh, how many councillors here did. 
Peace River Dance Festival offered us some tickets because of our sponsorship, our platinum sponsorship of their event. Uh, was that also the same night as the uh, the grand? Uh, what did they call it? This, well, there was a hospital was foundation oh. event, which Councillor Councillors Benke, Burr, and Sawchuck attended. Uh, myself and Councillor Ford attended the uh, what is it called? The grand concert for the Arts and Cultural Society of Peace River. Um, and Sunday was a day of rest. Monday was another day of rest. Uh, that's the 30th. Tuesday, 31st, I uh, didn't have any. I, I didn't have any town uh, town council uh, events. There was on Wednesday Women in the North conference, and I understand Councillor Burr uh, made the opening, did the opening speech there. Um, so uh, I don't know if uh, I'm assuming that there were some others to add there that people may want to highlight. I don't have any. It's just ones coming up that somebody will okay. mention. So the Mighty Peace Watershed didn't meet, meet in the last two weeks? Oh, you were on vacation. In the last two weeks. Okay. Um, on March 23rd, I had a hospital foundation meeting that morning to discuss preps for that weekend. And on the 26th, uh, we had an MPC meeting. Um, just an update on the spring fling from uh, the hospital foundation. They had about uh, an increase of about 50% in terms of their attendance. So we were just over 200 and uh, raised $135,000. Um, last year, we raised 47. So it's a huge increase over the previous year. Um, so hopefully there'll be some good equipment purchased. Their goal was 110 was kind of what they said as their target. Yeah. So they exceeded that by about 25 grand. Anything to add to those councillor reports? Um, <laughs> mentioned MPC on the 26th. Um, I had a museum board uh, meeting on Wednesday the 1st as well. And on Saturday the 4th, uh, we did the Easter egg thing at the park for all the little kitties. Hmm. Councillor Ford? Uh, nothing that was already previously mentioned, just the uh, trade show coming up on the weekend. Just uh, some some further planning on the uh, the Rotary House. I uh, attend the meetings um, well as the North Peace Housing Rep, but also I guess as the the town rep. So the the Rotary Group has got uh, some documentation, and we've got a plan in place. And Council heard bits and pieces of it tonight, and some of the approvals. So uh, they're working towards some uh, tender documents, and uh, that looks as though it's uh, lining itself up. Uh, fairly fairly nicely uh, in terms of costs uh, there's certainly uh, some surprises there but uh, they, uh, they they seem to have been able to make some modifications to the project so uh, I think I think it'll go ahead uh, uh, just perhaps at a slightly reduced or slightly modified scale yeah we forgot about the clinic announcement on uh, April 2nd was April the clinic second yeah. Thursday and uh, Councillor Bird, Councillor Needham, Councillor Ford, and myself attended. 
And uh, the significant news that came out of that was uh, Stephen Mandel committed to a family care clinic here in Peace River um, by the end of 2016. We have a clinic meeting this coming Friday morning, so hopefully some of the details that might have been kind of iffy in that uh, memo that was, uh, I guess, given out might be clarified. And that memo you're referring to is the Alberta government press release of April 2nd, 2015, yes. which is in the information section. So, um, so uh, upcoming, I understand there. Uh, so there's the trade show this weekend, where we will have a booth. The town of Peace River will have a booth. Um, does, does, I, it, does anybody have somebody written down for April eighth tomorrow night at seven o'clock? Yeah. Envy of Peace. Uh, so is who's the airport committee? No, no, it's seven on the eighth. So the members of the airport committee? This is the one to deal with uh, uh, ongoing tax implications of developments. Right, so on the joint benefit, so who, who who's attending? I understand that I think I'm everybody's attending. coming. Everyone's coming? Uh, no, the, the committee, I think, was the mayor and deputy for the joint yeah. benefiting area, and then we also told them that the airport committee was coming, so that would be Thank you, you two to Anita. talk about the yeah. extension of the development. Yeah. Uh, and that's in their chamber? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So who rolls that? So that's myself, Manzer, Banky, and Nita. You get a pass. So that one's uh, tomorrow. Um, there is, so the, the trade fair starts what, Friday? What time? 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Unless you want to volunteer to go over early and help them set up. <laughs> we'll let the chamber do that. Um, the, um, so um, Ms. Bench, she usually has a schedule go around, doesn't she? Uh, she did. She's did already she? got it. Okay. Yeah. I will. Uh, oh, I'm pretty sure she did. Yeah. Okay. Anna can forward it, maybe just again one more time. And okay. And uh, the what I should mention is the Peace Regional Waste Management Company will also have a booth there, and that's where they will be doing their uh, public consultation regarding. Um, Options with respect to expansion for their uh, for their facility. Uh, I would strongly encourage people to uh, to fill out their survey as well as to get uh, uh, members of the public, particularly the business community, to fill out the surveys that they have as well, uh, because there certainly is a big driver in around that local area. An, uh, a NIMBY syndrome 
um, happening there, not in my backyard. And um, there are a number of counselors at Northern Sunrise Council that are getting at least weekly pressure, if not daily pressure, from this the group of acreage owners in around that landfill to move it to another location. Uh, they're suggesting a green zone, which obviously will add increased costs because the biggest factor in, in when it comes to commodities, whether it be garbage or whether it be oil, is transportation. So um, they're, they're, it has cost implications for the town. Um, is there any... Uh, any other ones? One more thing that we should mention is the uh, Planning Commission on the 9th has a meeting from 1 to 4 to go over the land use bylaw and uh, changes that are going to be coming uh, presented by Alicia. I guess the proposed changes to the land use bylaw that will be coming forward to Council. Okay. So we're doing our first kick at it uh, 1 to 4 on the 9th. April 9th. Yeah. And uh, also that afternoon from 4.30 to 7, through the Economic Development Board, Jandell Holmes is doing a ribbon cutting and presentation of their right. new um, modular homes in Berwyn. So if anybody happens to be whizzing by, they can stop and take a look at what those look like and uh, chat them up. Also at 4 p.m. that day, we have a regular MPC meeting. That's right. And um, what date is that again? Ninth. The ninth. Well, you're yeah, you're pretty busy on the ninth. Okay. Uh, the seventeenth, there's an MMSA general board meeting in Clear Hills at the David Thompson Hall that I will be attending. Okay. Anything else? Okay, that's good. Good enough for now. So uh, that takes us to the information section. Uh, we have some briefing notes from Al Schramm. Uh, Mr. Bunn commented on that already, that they are uh, looking at those numbers, uh, also looking at our assessment, and uh, would like a bit of time to uh, firm up the numbers before... Uh, making any comment on these? Well, if, if, I guess a comment to uh, CAO Kelly, uh, uh, pass along a thanks to Al. I, I thought that briefing note was one of the better ones I've read uh, for some time. I thought it was significant. Uh, I was, um, I, I found it very useful and uh, um, maybe uh, maybe we should pass it along to the Chamber of Commerce as well. Maybe, maybe this fits in the the theme as well, but uh, anyway, uh, thanks to Al because it. Uh, I thought it was well done. Uh, Alberta Municipal Affairs uh, has extended the uh, regional collaboration grant for um, the West Hill Fire Hall. Um, that was the second item. Um, Alberta Municipal Affairs, Diane um, McQueen <laughs> uh, um, s spoke to the Municipal Sustainability Initiative um, and we had 
in it, she highlighted uh, that they've uh, approved uh, Pat's Creek culvert rehabilitation for $143,000, town office fire code upgrades for $110,000. Uh, and then there's the upgrade to lift station number four for $275,500. So we are not doing lift station four, but we're going to do lift station one. And this will not be an issue with... It will send them a note, but it won't be an issue. Uh, road rehabilitation uh, was uh, given approval for $757,800. And the Bridgeview Industrial Park Infrastructure Rehabilitation for $145,000 was, was uh, approved. Your Worship, on uh, just a clarification on the Bridgeview one, is that not the project that went into significant cost overruns because of drilling so this is, is this additional money that th th this isn't money is this money to cover the it seems to me I remember 83 or four or five thousand dollars because of hard hard material and boring so is, is does this to cover that or is this part of the original yeah these these are projects that were originally submitted as part of the MSI all right, fair enough. Yeah. And Diane McQueen does want to uh, recognize uh, our own Frank Oberly for his continued support of the MSI program and uh, wishes our municipality continued success with our priorities. Um, that then is the Alberta Community Partnership Program uh, program and this money was for um, or was it money uh, this is the pool this is the basically the engineering the, the grant for 350,000 for the engineering which I assume we've spent um, and um, Diane McQueen I don't know if she actually read the uh, the letter uh we sent back on the inspection of the town of Peace River, but uh, they uh, they did note that they wanted to uh, receive quarterly reports on our implementation progress, as we offered in the letter. So they did uh, <laughs> they did flag. So that. who is uh, diarizing that so it happens? Well, I think what we'll do is every quarter, at the end of every quarter, we'll uh, go through it and we'll. Uh, See where we're at, where at, and we'll uh, if we need to refocus in an area, we'll refocus. So, so when when is the administration come back with the, the game plan? That was the end of April. Well, I, um, well, you'll have to look at the uh, what we set out in the uh, in the Excel file. I don't think there's, there's various timelines. Yeah. Various yeah. Okay. So I don't think Mr. Bunn has that on the top of his head. Uh, clarification statement regarding oh yeah and this still don't think this clarification uh, statement was very good because it, all he said was for clarity this paragraph describes the practice of the municipality 
At the time of inspection, does not constitute a recommendation of the inspector. Uh, wasn't particularly impressed with that, but anyhow. Uh, AUMA welcomes MSI funding. I don't think we need to dwell on that. There's a joint government funding to support new affordable housing for seniors. It was more around uh, work that's being done in high level. The uh, Mighty Peace Watershed Alliance uh, uh, released their State of the Watershed report. Uh, took them three years or more to put it together. And they are going to have their annual general meeting in Fairview on what date, Deputy Mayor Manzer? And uh, are you up for re-election? So you're continuing to serve on that committee or that group? Uh, yes, unless someone else would like to uh, re-elect yeah. that. Uh, okay. Peace Library System uh, board meeting highlights. I think you wanted to highlight this item, Deputy uh, Mayor. Yeah. Well, no, this is... Sorry, this is a different one. This is just their annual or it's their monthly kind of report. Okay. The one I wanted to highlight was where they talk about a slight increase in funding where they're funded for 2014 population rather than 2010 and maybe we write a letter to the powers that be thanking them for that. So it's not this item. Okay. Uh, and there okay. Oh, and Lane, in that document, they talk about there's going to be a survey that was supposed to come out by March 31st. Um, we're <laughs> past that. Yes, and our last meeting was, I think, around the 21st or something of March. And they were working on this the next week, and then it was supposed to come out and hopefully back to them by the end of April. So they'd be sending it to the CAOs, and if we haven't received it, Expect it in the next couple of weeks. It's four questions that we as a council need to answer because the library, individual library boards are answering something and so forth. So it's just our part of that. It's a legal requirement, apparently. MGA review update. Uh, do you want to comment on that, Mr. Byrne? You're kind of keen on that. It's reannouncement of what they announced previously. Okay. That's what I thought. Northern Alberta Development Council has a new director, or a, do they call her a director? Janice Simpkins. She actually used to be the reeve of the MD of Greenview, but I see she has Peace River uh, phone numbers. Uh, perhaps we could uh, uh, invite her just to make a presentation to council uh, regarding the Northern Alberta Development Council and their their uh, plan and vision for the years going forward. Should we have a motion on that? Just direct administration to invite uh, Janice Simpkins of Northern Alberta Development Council to make a presentation. I'll move that. Okay. All in favor of Deputy Mayor Mazur's motion. Northern Sunrise County, uh, there they are. They're talking about the expansion of the East Peace Regional Landfill. Um, they're going to have a couple of, well, they touched on them at their residence meeting, but they're going to have a, uh, a full-blown open house at the, 
um, McKinney Hall. And McKinney Hall is the epicenter for the uh, for the individuals that are that don't want it in their backyard. Um, <clears throat> there is a consultation on revisions to Alberta's drinking water regulations uh, that shouldn't uh, affect the town of Peace River. CN uh, basically an outreach letter regarding safety. Uh, well, with respect to the derailments, and uh, that we had talked about at the emergency management meeting in of getting uh, CN in here to speak to Gus as to their uh, safeguards that they've implement or that they've implemented and or looking to implement here in Peace River. So, uh, do we need a motion to uh, to have administration invite them? Send an invitation, or how do you want to handle that, Mr. Munn? I, I think what we were going to start with, at least, was that uh, uh, Lance was going to meet with them and make sure that they looked at our plan and they incorporated their uh, their recommendations into our plan with respect to how to deal. So that was the first step. If we want them at a council meeting, we can certainly invite them. Okay, maybe uh, maybe it was one of those priorities and governance meetings. Uh, Primary Care Connection sent us their uh, monthly newsletter and item 17 on that list is the press release on uh, establishing a family care clinic here in Peace River. I don't believe in this press release they talked, uh, they committed to a date by the end of 2016, did they? Okay, okay. 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 And our thanks to Northern Sunrise County. Just uh, um, with respect to these these uh, neighborhood meetings, perhaps we should have a motion to direct administration to develop uh, uh, materials for the uh, for the public meetings uh, on the neighborhood renewal program and also to direct administration to, uh, I, I heard a re uh, suggestion a few weeks ago about the Alliance, the basement of the Alliance Church, but uh, for the Saddleback meetings, and I don't know if there was a similar suggestion for the Parkview area. I, I think we had said the, uh, to try and get the Alliance Church on the, the other one, I don't believe we set a location. We okay. talked about a few, but I don't think we did. So, do we need? Do you need a motion to develop? Uh, we're, we're, we're developing anyway, but I think we should get a motion on because we we talked. I think I saw something today from Elaine about a date change. Did I? No. Well, uh, we had uh, as a. Council, I think, set uh, May 6th for the Saddleback and June 10th for the, um, uh, we're calling it 86th Avenue Parkview. Then there was a question, FCM, that quite a few of us was were attending, and it seems to go from June 3rd to the 9th, so, but it's really to the 8th according to the program on, the, on their website. So the June 10th should be okay if people are 
okay being home one day and going to that in the evening. The question came up, though, that maybe our June 8th council meeting might need to be changed if we're coming from Edmonton that day. So I think June 10th is okay, in my opinion. Okay. But June 8th council meeting, I don't know. Just, uh, just as an FYI, I did email FCM today and ask for confirmation of the dates because I was able to find a letter where it says that it starts 4th to 10th, and then you informed me that it was 3rd to... Uh, Eight or something rather. So I did ask for information <coughs> today. And yes, June the eighth is a council meeting. So uh, a motion to uh, direct administration to develop uh, materials on the neighborhood renewal program. So I want to make that motion. I'll make that motion, Your Worship. Okay, all in favor of Councillor Burr's motion. And a motion to direct administration to book. Uh, a, well, I, I don't think we should, because the Alliance Church may say, well, we don't want politicians in the bottom of our basement. <laughs> so, so uh, direct administration to book appropriate venues to hold uh, the Saddleback neighborhood meeting and the Parkview neighborhood meeting? I'll make that motion, Your Worship. Also, okay. I'm curious what the plan is for communication of these meetings. Uh, Do we? Yeah, we'll, uh, I think we'll discuss that at next meeting. Okay. Okay, all in, who's making that motion? Oh, Rod Burr, or? I, I can make it, sure. Okay. Oh, I think Dan and I should made it, yeah. yeah. Ta Councilor, Becky made it. Okay, all in favor? Okay. Um, so that uh, takes us to key communication items. So we're getting late here. Are we accepting information? Oh, um, no. <laughs> I missed something. Okay. So no, Councillor Ford want, probably wants to make I have one question in terms of uh, the water stuff, Kelly. That... I scanned through that. It, are we anticipating that's going to impact the town? Like we're already uh, category one or whatever. Like that's not going to. I scanned through it. It shouldn't affect us. Yeah. I philosophically oppose this just because engineers and scientists can measure smaller and smaller amounts of trace stuff doesn't mean we should be chasing that standard. But that seems to be where. You can say that for a governance and priorities meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, a motion, Mr. Ford? To uh, just a clarification on the Alberta government press release. Um, it was presented at the uh, by Minister Mandel in regards to the land, um, where it said it, there they said it was donated by Frank Loveson. In here, it says it's donated by the county. Yeah, that was incorrect. So Northern Sunrise County is going to build or sponsor the building, anyhow. Expected to open, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that's part of what's... Online donated by the county near... But Frank Lovson, I yeah. believe, is going to donate the land. So, so that's part of the clarification that might happen this Friday. Okay. Okay, so are you going to make a motion to accept uh, items 11.1 .1 through 11.7? Sure. Okay, Councillor Ford has made that motion. All in favor? 
So, Brian, uh, we want to wrap things up here. So, key communication items. What did you think was worthwhile talking about here? So, these are bylaws that were basically passed to facilitate the construction of the Rotary House. Um, the medical, the family care clinic, which, which were the exact words that Stephen Mandel used, and uh, and the um, and uh, a hundred and fifty unit senior housing complex. Okay, we're counting on you bringing those in for us. Okay, good. What was the other item? So on these bylaws, if you need a contact, uh, Colin Needham will be the contact. So on the Evergreen Ecological Services, Rod Burr will be the contact on that. And I guess the news there is that the survey is still open and a decision will be made as to which op waste option to, uh, to adopt uh, April the 13th, is it? And the uh, and what what did you mention after that? Ta taxi bylaw. Oh, taxi bylaw. So uh, that that was just first reading, and there'll be a review and comment period, uh, fifteen days on that, and uh, the public is is invited to comment, and that uh, they can do that via the website. Right. And uh, Councillor Ford will be the contact on the, uh, the taxi bylaw. And who wants to be the contact on the pool handling unit? I guess that falls to me then. Oh, no, it should be Deputy Mayor Manzer because she made the motion. And this way she can... Uh, She'll be able to sharpen her debating skills with Ari Logman tomorrow morning. Oh, okay. Um, well, I, I don't know if there's... Um, okay, uh, I'll speak to it, but uh, um, really we'll be... Uh, We'll be lowering, uh, I don't know how much more needs to be said. We'll be lowering our, uh, f the town flags to half mast, uh, in commemoration of, uh, of the Battle of Vimy Ridge. They don't have our Legion Street sign up yet, No, I don't think so. Couldn't have been that much. So, uh, family care clinic.
Well, I guess you'll touch on that in the bylaw stuff. Okay. Okay. Got any uh, questions you want to ask of us now? Yes, I'll, I will, you can interview me. You want to do that, uh, when do you want to do that, tomorrow morning or do you want to do that now? Okay. No, we'll we'll try and do it now. We'll uh, we'll break right after this. Okay. And uh, any other any other sound bites you want? Okay. <laughs> I think we should plug tell us tell us guys are going around trying to sign up people. So I think um, trying to get. And I know some people aren't buying into it. Uh, the guy, when they stopped at my place, they declined to do it. And he says, why? And some people just are concerned that they have to sign up for it, and so they're not going. And, and the guy told me it, it'll be at least five grand if you don't do it now. That wire is $100 a foot, and it's at least 50 foot. So. It's free. No cost. Yeah, so. Sell your house. You've got another amenity to it. Okay, uh, we'll uh, recess now and then we'll come back and go in camera. <laughs>